This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 50. A little milestone for the boys here at Winnipeg Sports Talk and Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you with us. Hope you had an awesome weekend. And the wait is over, everybody. The Stanley Cup playoffs are underway, although we've got a couple more days to chew on this Oilers-Jets matchup before the puck drops on Wednesday night between Winnipeg and Edmonton in northern Alberta. We've got a great show today. Um, Really, this entire week is going to be mostly on Jets-Oilers and the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And to get ready for the series, our good friend Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press will join us in 15 minutes or so. And coming up a little later on in the program, Andrew Kopp of the Winnipeg Jets joins us live to look ahead to... Well, maybe the toughest, uh, the toughest assignment in hockey going up against Connor McDavid. Um, but man, cannot wait for it. The weather is gorgeous, warming up big time in southern Manitoba, just in time for us to enjoy some playoff hockey. I have a f- feeling a few of you maybe brought the TV out to the deck on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, whew, what a start to the playoffs. Four amazing hockey games. Three of them go to overtime. And maybe the best one of them all last night between Tampa and Florida. We'll get to all of that coming up a little bit later on. As always, big thanks to our sponsors, Not Autocorp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, Coolback Canada, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Let's get Michael Remus in here to get things going. Remo, the big 5-0 for Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, oh, geez, you're just checking out Andrew Kopp's yeah. NFT. Uh, sorry, beforehand. sorry. Yeah, was there was a lot of NFT talk uh, before the show, uh, before we had Kopp come on uh, a little bit later on. That's today. later. That's for when Andrew comes on. Uh, I didn't mean for that to be there. Yes, that was Andrew Kopp's NFT. I'm sure we'll ask him about that. He's got some kind of sale going on on this website, OpenSea, where you can create digital artwork and put it up for grabs. So that's for later. Uh, what were you saying before that? I got distracted by his four goal. Cel- the NFT celebrating his four goal game, by the way. Because if you score a four goal game, um, as Joe Thornton said famously, I mean, you got to celebrate that thing, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a little different than Joe Thornton's uh, proposed celebration. But, uh, but yeah, but no, I mean, coming in and just kind of mentioning what an awesome weekend it was for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, I can't imagine things getting going in a much more exciting fashion than three overtime games. And then an absolute classic last night in game one of the uh, Sunshine State battle between the Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, Battle of Florida. Who knew us? Uh, The kind of bad blood, and we kind of saw that near the end of the regular season. And what a game yesterday, back and forth, a ton of goals. Uh, That is the game you want to see. And Tampa Bay looking to defend their Stanley Cup. And do they have an advantage, us? What, is their salary... What seventeen mil over the cap right now? So uh, I seen I've seen some people uh, upset about it. Some people saying, "Hey, you know what? They're just playing by the rules the NHL uh, NHL gave them. Uh, you know, screw the other teams who uh, haven't taken advantage of that this year." So uh, what what a series we've had! Uh, every game, as you said, we almost had three overtimes yesterday. One of them ending in the dying minutes of the third. Uh, incredible day of hockey, and we haven't even started the. You know, the North Division playoffs here, we're still waiting for those pesky Calgary-Vancouver. You mean, after that Florida-Tampa game last night, you weren't staying up even later for the Calgary-Vancouver? <laughs> I, I I must be one of the only people that are sick enough to still be paying attention to the Flames and the Vancouver Canucks. 
I'm in a season long playoff dra- uh, 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 hockey draft. And I got three points last night from Quinn Hughes. I got a point from McDavid on Saturday. And I'm now four points back of my buddy Dom with two more games and Calgary essentially shutting it down. So, um, I mean, even that game was exciting last night, Reem. Vancouver came back from being down 5-1, forced it to OT, and lost 6-5 in overtime. I mean... That's awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the great days of hockey. Yes, that was sort of a strange... Um, dessert, if you will, after the main course of Florida and the oh. Lightning to get a regular season game between Calgary and Vancouver. But even though t- those teams got it. But, I mean, l- let's take it back to Saturday's game, Boston and Washington starting off right off the bat. And, I mean, that was a hell of a first game of the playoffs. Of course, goes to o- overtime. Washington gets that big win. And I know there was a lot of people on Boston. Uh, Boston, despite being the uh, third-place team, was a pretty heavy favorite in the series mm-hmm. and in the game that night. Um, but obviously, this is going to be a very tough out. I will say this. The thing that stuck out to me the most about that game, Remus, I turn it on in the second period, and I'm like, who the hell is that playing goal for Washington? Yes. Did you even know that Craig Anderson was on the Capitals? I'll be honest, hand up. I had no clue. Or maybe I remembered him signing in January, whatever, to be a third string goalie, but I had not seen him at once this once this season. He apparently got into four games. Uh, but when the starter came, uh, got hurt early on, lo and behold, there's Craig Anderson, 40 years old, getting the first playoff win of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Pretty wild. Yes, uh, uh, crazy, crazy. So yeah, you know, uh, their goalie, uh, who is it? Chesterkin? He's been, I'm, you know, confusing all these goalies. Um, their main goalies got, got COVID. Van, no, well, Vanacek's the backup, but, uh, their yeah. main guys got, uh, COVID. Samsonov? Samsonov, thank you. I, I got, uh, the Russian one confused from, uh, the Rangers. Uh, Samsonov, he's got COVID. So, uh, there's Craig Anderson, the backup. They signed him back when Lundquist, um, you know, announced he was having surgery and had to sit out the year. So they needed another veteran. Craig Anderson was hanging out. Comes in. That's an awesome story, man. I love uh, Craig Anderson. I, yeah. I think he is just, I mean, you know, what he went through in Ottawa, um, you know, to, to get an opportunity to be with a quality team like Washington just to be in the playoffs is great. And to, you know, get in there and get a win right off the bat, pretty a pretty cool story. And I got to tell you, Reem, I, you know, we've spent most of this season watching the North Division. I mean, obviously we've seen some Washington, but man, was it weird seeing Zdeno Chara going up against his old team wearing the Washington Capitals uniform and then, you know, going at it against Boston. You know, I'll be honest. I'm sure it's pretty weird for the Boston Bruins players to be going up against Chara. Now, again, they would have played quite a bit in the regular season, so it's not new. But um, the first time the the Bruins have gone to battle in the playoffs without their longtime captain, and now they're seeing him on the other side of the rink. Yeah, just another one of those guys has, um, you know, a veteran player who wants to keep going, and you see him in another jersey. I know Chara was on Ottawa. But he really made his name as, as a Bruin, you know, won the Stanley Cup with the Bruins. They went to a, a cup final. And you see, you see Char, you think Boston Bruins, and to see him in it, it's just, it's just weird in the playoffs. You know, it's like we saw it last year, uh, you know, in, the, in football with Tom Brady putting on the Bucks jersey. I mean, you see it more and more. I mean, it's not quite Marty Brodeur in a Blues jersey because that didn't last very long. But there's Char, he's on, he's on Washington, uh, making an impact. And, and I was, I agree, you know, some of the numbers I saw, I was looking at Dom's predictions, he had, like, uh, Boston as, like, a, what, I think it was, like, 66 to 33% uh, 
uh, favorite. Mm-hmm. So Washington, you know, big underdog, but they get game one, and uh, we'll try to you know, you know, keep it going in game two. But uh, I mean, Washington—they're tough. They've you know won a couple four. A lot of those guys. Um, there was uh, Tom Wilson's everyone's favorite guy getting on the score sheet, has scoring the opening goal and assisting on the overtime winner. That is the guy you want on your team in the playoffs, even though he does you know dumb stuff. Um, oh yeah, you, you got it. I mean, playoff hockey, as we saw this weekend. It's not even the same game as regular season <laughs> hockey. Like, it's a different sport. And uh, we're hoping we can see some of that from the Jets on Wednesday against the Oilers because, you know, they've lost six in a row. And the guys who you want in the Jets playing playoff hockey, uh, Adam Lowry, we saw that one since he returned. He's been throwing his weight around. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, the guy, um, you know, of last year for Columbus, you know, going hard on Austin Matthews. Uh, we'll talk later with it about with Jeff Hamilton, but he was banged up, you know, in the finale, and hasn't skated since. Yeah, and was not out on the ice today at practice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we'll get into this a little later on with with Jeff when he joins us. You know, when we speak about all the um, stories coming out of practice today and heading into Game One. Um, but I'm very concerned about Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, if anyone has the game PVR, go back to the third period and watch his last shift. Now, I didn't see what happened with him getting, I think they, you know, most people reported that he got a puck in the head. I didn't really see that. But what I did see was a guy that looked completely out of it on the ice. Um, and again, if you saw it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and again, I realized this was a low-intensity game. It was the third period they were just getting through. But Dubois' last shift seemed like, um, you know, he didn't really... I, I put it this way. I was watching it going, what in the world is he doing? Um, so... Something wasn't right with Pierre-Luc Dubois in the third period of that hockey game. And, um, man, you sure hope that he'll be able to go, um, you know, for game one. And if not for game one, at some point in this series. Because while he has been struggling lately, I think everyone realizes, and certainly the Winnipeg Jets realize the reason why they got him here is because they thought he could really be an impact player in the playoffs and help the team well in matchups such as this one against the Edmonton Oilers. So we'll get into that with Hammer coming up. Would be interested in any of your chats. Now, Paul Adet uh, was asking Remo about Zach Parisi. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's still on the wild, but he's not in the top 12. A healthy scratch. And it did get me going back onto Cap Friendly, just checking out that contract, Reem. I believe he's got four more years. What? In excess of seven and a half million dollars. Um, oh he's a real classy God. guy. Has been a great player in the league. But you knew those mega deals that were what thirteen-year <sighs> deals for Parisi and Suter would at some point come back to bite them. And uh, well, it looks like we're at the beginning of that right now. But hell, Bill Guerin's done an amazing job with the Minnesota Wild getting to the spot they are. And how about that, Reem? You know they. They weathered the storm from the Vegas Golden Knights in the first half of the game and then sort of got it together. Cam Talbot, what a story he's been this year. And you know what? All you got to do on a road team, keep a game close, keep it tied, get to OT, and uh, next thing you know, you're going into game two with a one nothing lead. That uh, pretty much blueprint for the Minnesota Wilds as to how they were hoping to start things off. Yeah, that's uh, that's, wi- that's wild. It's not, not pun intended there, but about Zach Parisi. Uh, four more years at seven and a half. Honestly, though, good for them for being like, you know what? We know he's an expensive guy. We know he's a veteran guy. Uh, we're going to make him a healthy scratch. Obviously, you don't like doing that, but you need to do what's best for the team. And sometimes teams 
you know, don't come to that realization or come to it too late. And they put an aging guy, you know, in the lineup over and over again when he's not productive because of his salary. So um, I give full credit. I mean, it's a new GM there in Minnesota, as you said, Bill Guerin. And he's like, you know what? I didn't sign this contract. I'm going to do what's best for the team. And um, I know he's, they've got a lot of quality players there and a lot of young talent, more so than we've seen in the past. And a guy uh, coming up big for them, Joel Erickson Eck. Um, you know, he's played you know, kind of all over the lineup, you know, third line. But uh, there he was on the other day, you know, it, uh, with Minnesota. So and Kevin Fiala, you know, that trade has worked out for them real well. Uh, Kaprizov coming in this year. So they have, you know, some nice talent there in Minnesota. And it is weird that uh, a guy like Zach Parise, who's been there for so long, um, you know, with that big contract, has, and not only is a healthy scratch, but also has four more years, like seven <laughs> like and a half this, million. He, they owe him more than $30 million. Yes. Yeah, so. And he's not getting into the lineup in the playoffs. Not a good season. And we all remember, they almost traded him at the deadline last year. There was potentially going to be a deal that, you know, would have moved him to the Islanders, I believe, for Andrew Ladd's contract, if I recall correctly. But I was... <laughs> it didn't happen. And, um, well, now... Uh, this is uh, this is where they're at going forward. But anyways, Minnesota up one nothing. Great, great win. And then there's the Islanders, Reem. Barry Trotz's club. I, I have to say, it seemed like the trade deadline acquisitions of Palmieri and Zajac was a complete bust for the New York Islanders with the way they stumbled, similar to the Jets down the stretch. Um, they were in first place. They ended up finishing in fourth. It wasn't really close. We're wondering what the Islanders were going to have for Pittsburgh, who no doubt remembers their sweep at the hands of New York a couple years ago. And there was Palmieri finally getting it done. Scores the first one, gets the OT winner, and uh, the Islanders have a one nothing win on Pittsburgh. Doesn't seem to matter about that last month of the Islanders season. They got off to a great start. Yeah, it took a Kyle Palmieri off to a really slow start with New Jersey. I know because uh, I had to drop him in fantasy. I mean, he's been a 30-goal scorer in the past. He's been very good. And, you know, maybe took a while. And it's also a J.G. Pajot, you know, their trade deadline acquisition, who they then signed last year, scoring a big goal. And the thing with, uh, you know, the Islanders, I mean, when do we start putting Barry Trotz Huss in, like, the greatest NHL coaches of all time? Because it seems like every team that he coaches plays the same way, has this defensive structure. And, you know, he did it with Nashville for so long, couldn't quite get over the hump, uh, won with Washington, and the Islanders, man, they've got a they got a lot of uh, a lot of talent, and they've been uh, pretty good here. So uh, I don't know. To your yeah. point, I don't know that there's any coach in the league that consistently squeezes more out of his roster than yes. Barry Trotz. I mean, I I think that that is. And listen, there's a number of great coaches in the National Hockey League, and man, what Quenville's done in Florida this year has been really really impressive. And we saw the the how, how just different that club was last night. Um, but I'll tell you what, Barry Trotz, you know, as far he's not getting out coached very often. Let, let me, I'll just say that going uh, going forward. Um, so Islanders up one nothing, Caps up one nothing. They'll get back at it. The Minnesota Wild up one nothing, and the Tampa Bay Lightning up one nothing in their series. Um, as far as tonight goes, Reem, and we'll get to some of these lines a little bit later. Uh, with our uh, friends from Coolbet and get the daily lines. But three games tonight, game two between Bruins Caps, Predators Hurricanes game number one, and then late night, 9 p.m. start, mm-hmm. Blues and Avalanche. And 
I'll tell you what, it seems like the the public and the bookmakers aren't giving the Blues very much of a chance, but I, I don't think this is going to be a short, easy series for Colorado. I think this is going to be a real test. Maybe not quite to, you know, Vegas having to play the Minnesota Wild, but I don't think this is going to be a real quick four and out series. Yeah, well, tell that to the odds makers. Uh, us, minus 280 tonight for Colorado. So they are a heavy favorite, and I think Colorado, not quite the minus like 450 Colorado was on the last game of the season to get first and you know against the LA Kings. Um, we'll see what St. Louis. I mean, it is a lot of the same guys who you know took them to the cup a couple years ago. Um, Jordan or yeah, Jordan Bennington and goal. I mean, hasn't quite been that guy, but uh, he's been solid. And the one thing for Colorado this year compared to last year in the bubble is health. I mean, they have all, all their goalies. Philip Grubauer, he did have uh, COVID before and was out. But he is back. He's expect you know he's going to be the the guy for them. They did trade for Devin Dubnik. Um, they're not going down like third, fourth string like last year. With Michael Hutchinson ended up starting a game. So uh, Colorado, they're the heavy favorite. This is I mean for not only in the series but for the Cup as well. So uh, can Nathan McKinnon put it together? They got all these um, defensemen as well, uh, McCarr, Gerard. So uh, watch over Colorado. I'm although they've been just beating up on everyone. Uh, that top line up there, you know, you rank the, um, it's funny, you rank the top lines in the playoffs. You got the McKinnon line with Ranton and Landeskog, also the Boston line up there, maybe Toronto's top line, you know, Marner, Matthews, and whoever, whoever they stick Any there. line with Connor McDavid on it? Any, any, yeah, any line with Connor <laughs> McDavid. However they, however they figure it out with or without Tricidal. Yeah. Those are probably, uh, are probably, oh, and then, sorry, the Tampa, you know, Kucherov's back for Tampa, so, you know, the point, point Kucherov and whatever they decide to do. So uh, there are some, uh, some top lines, but uh, Colorado, I think, number one for me. Um, a shout out to everybody that's with us in chat. Hey, there's Destruction. What's up, D? Henry D, Sandy and G, T. Kona Polly's with us, Jets 280, Tracy's always here, James Robinson. I noticed Paul was asking about the Jets morning skate. We'll get the full report from Hamilton because he actually is going to be joining us from the rink. He was down there and, you know, heard from uh, some of the Jets afterwards as well as Coach Maurice. Um, But right now, I mean, the the big news today, Remo, no Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's not good. The good news was Paul Stastny was out there in a full contact jersey. He, of course, um, you know, left the game early, came back, and then didn't play and most of the second period or third period on Friday night in the final one. and So he was back out in practice. And then, of course, everyone wondering about Nikolai Ehlers and what his status. He's still in the non-contact jersey dealing with that upper body injury, but was skating, was shooting, and even took some turns on the uh, on a number of special teams drills working with that second power play unit from earlier today. So, I mean, it's about as good as it can be without him getting that non-contact jersey out. And as I mentioned on Friday, I mean, with this, it's sort of let's find out when he can take contact because I have a feeling because of what we suspect the injury, something to do with the shoulder, collarbone, um, it's the contact, especially going into the playoffs, that I think will be a concern. They don't want to put him in too early and get the possibility of re-injuring it and being out for an extended period of time through the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see how that. I mean, we're just waiting for Nikolai Ehlers to see if he can come back. Um, you know, I'm reading Ken Weeb's tweets at Weeb's World, and he's saying uh, he said as well they practice a lot in special teams, which I found. He said they used a variety of different looks on power play one and two. We know, you know, the power play got kind of cold at the end of the season. Uh, they did try to you know mix it up for a bit. 
and putting Wheeler back on the far right boards. But then they put went back to what they did, and then Kyle Connor started scoring some goals again. So I'm kind of curious what those looks are going to be. I guess it really depends on who's in the lineup. You know, one other guy skated in a yellow non-contact, Andrew Kopp, uh, and he's going to be joining us later today. I don't know if he's going to be able to provide any clarity, but if he's putting out an NFT this week, Huss, it's like when yeah. Cole Be- it's like when Cole Beasley put out the rap song before yeah. the Bills playoff game, and you're like, oh, he's putting out a rap song. He's not putting that out if he's. He's not playing, so I I'm gonna say the same thing with guaranteed in the lineup. Andrew you know? Cop, yeah, he's putting out an NFT this week. Uh, he is he's playing. So. Well, and and I will say this, just knowing to how the Jets work, and I mean, you know, we won't you know press Andrew for this. I mean, I'm sure he'll be coy, like you know the team is. But I will say, in I can't remember ever a player that was injured and not going to be playing coming on a show like this, you know, leading up to a game. So I, I will just, I'm just going to take that as a good sign that Andrew Cobb's yeah. coming on with us today, seemingly like he's getting ready for uh, ready for the playoffs. So, um, you know, all of this stuff we can get to with Jeff Hamilton, who's kind enough to join us from the rink. And before we do that, big thanks to our sponsors, Not Autocorp. Why not get into an incredible vehicle at an amazing price with the help of the Knot team? And they'll also help you consign your present vehicle right now or help you get out of a lease. You can find it more. They had a big a big spread in the Winnipeg Free Press on the weekend. If you're a Free Press subscriber, you can check that out. Or simply go to their website at knot.ca. Um, you'll be able to check out some of the massive inventory they have, including all those amazing Teslas, as well as speak to someone about the consignment program or make an appointment to go down in and check out some of the rides. Not Autocorp, great sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one, Waverly and McGilvery, or online at not.ca. And uh, now that the playoffs are here, every night is a game night. And uh, why not get that game night deal from Boston Pizza or the pizza flights? And I did notice destruction in here. I saw that Instagram on the weekend. How about that for a combo? Picks up a case of Little Brown Jugs, and then gets the pizza flights from Boston Pizza. I can't think of a better setup for uh, dominating a beautiful weekend day and watching football all day. So check out Boston Pizza, any of the locations. Obviously, there's no dine-in right now. Takeout or delivery. You can order online as well at bostonpizza.ca. And uh, out on the weekend, went over to Royal Sports. Man, if you're thinking about getting outside this year, one of the things that they've really expanded is the camping section. Um, They've got all the Yeti material. They've got tents, backpacks, sleeping bags, some really, really cool stuff. So if that's something you're looking at doing this year, this summer, pop down to Royal. They'll get you set up right away. And uh, needless to say, shoes, fitness gear, bike, soccer, baseball, everything else is there. Um, plan to spend a little bit of extra time in the best store around. Royal Sports, 650 Rally EK, 750 Pembina Highway. All right, let's get to some Jets talk. We welcome in the Hammer, Jeff Hamilton, Winnipeg Free Press, live from uh, live from the rink. What's going on, dude? Thanks for doing this. Gents, good to be here. Always a pleasure. I figured you'd have the music queued up now that I've been on, you know, a regular guest. But hey, you know, in time. Yes, absolutely. We're going to start getting wrestling style intro yeah, themes and whatnot. What I, We're working on some effects, some, you know, some good back shots from earlier in your career as well. A bit well, of a, a bit of a tribute montage as you come on every day. Uh, how are you? How was the weekend? Yeah, things are great. I mean, the weekends, I mean, I've been getting the weekends off, so I've been taking full advantage of them. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, the weather is absolutely terrific. I finally got on the course again, played way better than my first round. So I have that, uh, that confidence. I'm sure I'll lose that the next day 
18. But uh, yeah, so far so good. Looking forward to, to playoff hockey here. Looking to see, you know, what the Jets' response will be from this last month. And yeah, really, I mean, the weekend was so great for hockey, as you mentioned. It was <sighs> it was nice to kind of just plunk down. Uh, I didn't watch as much hockey yesterday just because of the weather, but I definitely took in that uh, that Florida special, which was just like how good of a game was that oh man i mean it was i don't know if it's you know you look at like we've been talking about the other divisions right i mean a lot of the focus has been on canadian teams i think that's been a really awesome thing this year just learning more about them because you know it's just obviously the division the jets are in but um i mean i have game center too so it's not like i wasn't watching anybody i would tune in for kind of patrick liney and the columbus games here there but my my U.S. consumption, uh, as far as NHL this season, has been dragging just given all the circumstances. So it was nice to watch those games for sure. Well, it was a heck of a start. And, you know, for the National Hockey League, you know, to go in. And I will admit, I'm getting a little bit triggered watching these games <laughs> with massive crowds and people seemingly back to normal. Great atmospheres, knowing our situation here and what's going on. But we won't go down that down that road. We're dealing yeah. with it. and hopefully getting out of it soon. But, I mean, from a league perspective, to start it off with that great game Saturday night between Washington and Boston in overtime, follow it up with an overtime game between the Islanders and Penguins, another overtime game, although maybe 0-0 OT isn't exactly what they were hoping for, but a very exciting game between Minnesota and Vegas. And then finishing it up with that 5-4. It was a classic last night. I mean, that is what playoff hockey is. I'll say one thing. The bar has been set very high for the rest of the playoffs and even round one with what we saw from game one in these first four series. Well, and I, you know, and, and I don't think it's picking on, you know, the, the, the Canadian division here. I think it's just a, it's an, it's the fact that these teams know each other extremely well. I think we're going to see exactly that happen in, in, uh, uh, you know, in the, whether it's, you know, Toronto and Montreal or the Jets and Edmonton. I think these series are going to be pretty close. I mean, when you start focusing all your attention on one team, uh, you know, and you've seen as much as you've seen them this year, I think it's going to be an even pretty even matchup. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of, if you look at some of the Jets' history against Edmonton, you know, it doesn't suggest as much. And um, But that being said, I mean, this is the new season. And, you know, I, you know, you hope that the Jets were watching that this this past weekend, knowing that not anything can happen. But, you know, the Dogs won on a couple of those games, if not all of them, if, you, if, if I look at them. Um, and, you know, who's to say that uh, Montreal or, or Winnipeg can't do the same? Well, exactly. We've got a couple days to wait before we end up getting to um, Jets Oilers on Wednesday. But there's a lot of things to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. We might get back to some of the other playoffs, but let's focus in on the team um, and and the skate today. First off, no Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I was mentioning this in the chat before you came on. Um, I didn't see the incident that he apparently got hit with the puck. What I did see, though, Jeff, was his last shift on Friday. And, I, I mean, I, I regret it. I went back, and I, I don't have it PVR'd anymore, so I can't go back and see it. But if you do have it on the PVR, mid-third period or so, last time Dubois was on the ice, um, he looked um, discombobulated, um, just uh, kind of out of it. Like, you know, not attentive, not, you know, following the play, just sort of lost. And... Mm-hmm. You know, I I left, there wasn't much to it, you know, maybe it was, you know, whatever, it was the third period of a nothing game at the end of the season, but I was very interested to see, you know, what what happened with Dubois through the weekend. The fact that we're now through the weekend on Monday and he wasn't there in practice, I think, has to be an indication that all is not right, and 
Um, man, you just got to cross your fingers that Nikolai Ehlers might be able to come back because, wow, I mean, if you're losing Dubois and Ehlers, I mean, that's essentially two-thirds of what was planned to be your second line. And, um, I mean, that's kind of tough to overcome. Yeah, I don't even, you know, where, where do you start to unpack this? Do you, do you think about the post-game uh, comments from Paul Maurice where it was just, you know, in typical kind of fashion, this isn't a shot against him, but, you know, he kind of said, we're optimistic. This was all precautionary and stuff, right? So you kind of looked at Stastny's injury and, and, and then Pierre-Luc Dubois as, as one of the same. Okay, it's, you know, third period of a nothing game. You know, what, what's the point of having him play out? But when you start talking about that kind of, that shift, as you mentioned, you know, you start thinking about his injury, we all know Paul Stassi's injury was a cross check to the side, right? I mean, it could have been, you know, issues with the kidney, just kind of a stinger could have been whatever, right. Or you could have just been in some pain and it wasn't worth risking, you know, anything further happening. Whereas when you, when you take a shot in the, on the lid and you kind of have those examples or those shifts, you start wondering, you know, I'm not suggesting anything towards a head injury per se or a concussion, but um, you know, those are the, those are the things that linger for a few days and you don't have the answers for. So the fact that, you know, as you mentioned, you don't see him here after the weekend through these first couple days of, of serious practicing for, for the playoffs. And you see guys like Nick Ehlers. I don't think Nick Ehlers is going to be ready for game one. I don't know that for a fact, um, but I don't think he will be, but he's in a yellow Jersey, um, you know, buzzing out there, part of the power play, you know, is, you know, it's essentially signs that he will eventually be back if it's not the first game. So same thing with Andrew Kopp. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind Andrew Kopp's playing. I mean, if you look at the way he skated today, um, the yellow jersey feels like a formality. And then when when they finished up the skate, he went to center ice. And, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what's ailing him, but he's doing those sprints between one end of the center dot to the next and back and forth, right? So, you know, you know he's ready to go. And as you mentioned, he's on your show. Um, he's, he's most likely going to be in. So, those are the questions you ask about Pierre-Luc Dubois and, um, you know, just given the nature of what we believe his injury was, uh, you know, there are some major question marks. Now, you know, this is a day-by-day process. Um, they'll max this out, you know, as long as they can, if they feel like he can, you know, if he's on the ice tomorrow, that's obviously a, a good sign. But at the same time, you know, it's, you know, it, his status for this, um, you know, this game, one of this series is, is at very least questionable. And at this point I would, I would point as far as doubtful if we don't see some some serious progression here in the next 24 hours. Yeah, um, so let's talk about COP for a minute because, you know, I think all things being equal and everyone being healthy, it would be COP playing with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. Right. Um, if one, if either of Ehlers or Dubois are not available for game number one, um, I would think that Andrew Kopp's probably a guy that's getting the move up to to that spot, and you'd probably be putting Matthew Perot in with Lowry and Appleton to uh, to handle that job. Or do you think that they just realize that the most important thing they need to do is play well against Connor McDavid? Maurice might want to have his best on best go up against that, and the best guys for that job is Kopp, Lowry, and Appleton. How do you see that going? Will it be Matthew Perot, do you think, that would take one of those spots in the top six if need be and st- staying with the tried-and-true third line? Or is Andrew Kopp just – he's the guy that moves up in that situation? No, I think Perot goes on that line and Kopp moves up into the top six. I think – and it's not just because – have to think uh, about it too, the fact that the first two games are on the road, Jets don't get last change. So they're not really going to be calling the shots for those first two games essentially. And you want to have a guy like Andrew Kopp who has, you know, blossomed defensively this year but also brings that defensive game. So you kind of want that balance out. And there's been a lot of respect – 
uh, for for Matthew Perot this year, particularly and trust, if you will, with with Paul Maurice. And he even said it post game as I was asking about that line, particularly with Adam Lowry and and you know obviously Mason Appleton and, and Cop. If that line was to go, you know what the focus would be, right? Because we we've mentioned them as as uh, as as that shutdown line, as grinding line. You know, not so much third line, given where you know how often they come off the bench. But there's always kind of, and I don't want to say defensive because it hasn't been defensive of the players, but they've kind of like, hey guys, you know we can score too. That's an element of our game that we, you know, we like to show off. So I, I asked Maurice today about, you know, given the tall order that they're going to be faced with Connor McDavid and or Leon Dreisaitl on that same line, possibly, you know, is it okay to kind of go defensively? And then anyways, my point in sharing that part was his answer included, well, if Perot, if Matt Perot's on that line too, so he kind of played his hand a little bit, um, you know, and, and then went on to say, well, yes, as long as you're not cheating the puck, yada, yada, defense is the priority and so so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I that lent, you know, that tends to lean towards Matthew Perot taking that line and, and of course, a- Andrew Cup because you also want to have that scoring touch in your top six. And, and we know that Andrew Cup brings that defensive game to every line he plays for, not just that third. So when you're getting the kind of season that you're getting out of Matthew Perot, I'm not saying it's as good, but it's, it's, it's probably as seamless as it gets for this team to have Andrew Cup get the promotion and to see a guy like Matty Perot come in because you know you have guys like Jansen Harkins who can fill in that fourth line. You have guys that are buzzing um, you know, in, in, in that role. So that seems to be the more natural, but I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But that's, that's where I believe this team is leading. Now, sure. staying up front, um, you know, when I look at this, you know, series and you're breaking down strengths and weaknesses, um, it's hard not to look at the matchup of the top lines. We know that they'll go head to head at some point, especially in Edmonton, because I think Dave Tippett loves that matchup. Not as much, maybe Paul Maurice, considering what happened this year. Um, thoughts on just the Shifley Wheeler Connor line, who you know really did sort of have a bit of an explosion in these final two games of the season. How much that matters? I mean, that's up for debate, I guess. Um, but certainly getting some results, maybe some good feelings going in. Um, to me, this is the most critical part of this series. I mean, you know, it, defending Connor McDavid is going to be a five-man job every time he's on the ice, but he is going to get some goals. I mean, the ability for that line to spend some time in the other team's end and to create things offensively, um, you know, to me will determine, you know, whether the Jets are in this series or whether it's Connor McDavid doing what he did in the reg. Yeah, I was waiting for a question I could sink my teeth into, and this is it. I, I think that the Jets are in a lot of trouble if that's the case. Look, you know, the Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor line has been buzzing the, the, the last couple games. They've been scoring even strength goals, which is which is incredibly important. But if you watch them, they they're still playing too much of a perimeter game. You know, they're, they they want to play in space. They don't they don't bang against the opposing lines the way that you've seen successful you know groupings in the past play against Connor McDavid and so I'm not saying they're going to get fed their lunch per se it's just going to be a tough ass to go you know head to head with them and you you mentioned a five-man group that's where the importance of Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello are going to be because the best offense and I'm not trying to get too cliche here is to keep it out of your zone so if you can get that and that's been I think missing here is that the Jets have been opportunistic particularly that line we've seen a lot of you know we've seen them capitalize on the plays that they 
often capitalize on. And what I mean by that is the chaos out of the neutral zone. It's not structured per se, but if if a pop if a puck pops out and now it's a two on one, that's where you know they take advantage of their of their uh, opportunities or on those odd man rushes. And that's when you see all, all you know all those beautiful passing plays. And then of course the finish that we've seen from all three of those guys. Uh, where the concern is 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 kind of sustaining that pressure, keeping that puck going into the areas that you're going to have to get into and maintain that puck and then being able to come back defensively and play a true 200-foot game. And what we haven't seen, I'm not saying we haven't seen that from this line ever, but you can't take what we've seen here in the last week, you know, this turnaround, if you will, against the opponents that this, you know, that this line is, has eaten alive essentially the last few games and, and say that's just going to work in, against Edmonton. It's not. I mean, and this to me is the, is is you know and Paul Murray said it. Who's the most important player on this Winnipeg Jets team? It, it goes by ice time. Connor Hellebuck plays sixty minutes a game. He's the most important player on this team. The next person is Mark Shifley. He logs the second most ice time next to Connor Hellebuck. So the expectations are high. And you know we we we've made a lot about this over the last few years. You know building off off Mark Shifley's comments of wanting to be in the conversation with players like, you know, Connor McDavid, like Sidney Crosby, like Nathan McKinnon, like Austin Matthews. Well, this is your opportunity. This is the time where, you know, whatever feelings, you know, I or others might have about his game this year. And, you know, he's been good. I don't, I would argue he hasn't necessarily been consistent, but he has been good. This is kind of, you know, like the Jets season the last month, this is your opportunity to flip the script. These are the matchups that you need to either win or battle at least to be in those conversations. So there's a lot, you know, whether, you know, and that, I think you're right. This is going to be a situation in these next two games where they're going to be, you know, if you're Edmonton, you're fine with pinning your best line in Connor McDavid against the Jets' best line because you know, or at least you feel, that you're going to be able to win that matchup. And if you take the offense away from that line, and I think the Jets will be doing everything they can not to play, you know, head-to-head, it's just going to be, they're going to be forced to. Um, if you're Edmonton, you're happy with that. So this is going to be a big test. I mean, there's lots of storylines that go into these playoffs, but Mark Shifley versus Connor McDavid is going to be a massive one. And, and it's it goes back to my earlier point where they're going to have to show an ability that they aren't turning around and trying to create space on the perimeter. They're going to have to be in the dirty areas fighting against what will be a very, very tough line uh, to not only contain but uh, to try to beat, and, and that's that's going to be their task when they're up against them. Well, exactly, and um, they certainly have plenty of video to go over from the regular season on what to do and maybe what not to do. Um, because, you know, honestly, and we can talk about the depth of the, the Jets' forward unit, and we do hear that quite a bit. I mean, that's all great, but if you are at a, such a significant disadvantage on the scoreboard in that top-line matchup with the amount of ice time that those lines say, it's really almost impossible to make up for. And, mm-hmm. you know, listen, I mean, I, I, I certainly think that they can be better. How much? I mean, I guess we'll see. But, you know, really when it comes down to it, Jeff, I mean, let's think about when the Jets have had their most success in the playoffs. 2018. I mean, Mark Shifley in a lot of ways put that team on his back and, what, he had 14 goals in 17 games? I mean, yeah. he was the guy. And then, unfortunately, when that offense dried up, they were gone quickly to the Vegas Golden Knights. So, I mean, you know, with with great responsibility comes great pressure. And I would say that, that there is some pressure and also something to prove, I would say, for Shifley individually, as well as with Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler on that top line. Well, it's a great point. And I mean, let's be clear about something. Mark Shifley is a great player. 
It's just where does he fit in the conversation with the league's best players? And and so that's why he's even, you know, part of this conversation. That's why he gets not, I wouldn't say criticism. That's why he's, you know, under a spotlight here is the fact that he's capable of doing that. As you mentioned, we saw that in that playoff run. We also saw a guy go down, what, a few shifts into last year's playoffs? So, or I guess, and it was yeah. over. <laughs> so, I mean, for him, it, it, there is something to right he's he's got to have he's got to be and he is I mean we talked about it with him today he is hungry you know he is hungry to prove that uh that, that you know he belongs in that conversation I mean I I was asking him questions about that today and you know he, he admitted to thinking about this matchup for the last couple days particularly him and, and Connor McDavid a player that he has a ton of respect for and understands how good it is and has called himself a fan of him so you know and and, and that that's really the thing here is that we've seen this guy you know we've seen him be at his best. We've watched him rise to that player who, you know, struggled to kind of stay on his skates early in his career to be in a dominating scoring presence in the National Hockey League. Now it's maintaining that reputation. Um, you know, the points have been there this year. I would argue the defense has certainly take a, taken a hit, um, you know, or continued on, I guess, for a lack thereof. And, and again, those are tough games. Those are tough things to add to your game when you are relied on as much as Mark Scheifele's relied on offensively. Ask a to be a kind of player who's a 200-foot player is a, is, a, is a big ask and something that Connor McDavid isn't exactly. Connor McDavid isn't known for his defense. The thing is, he can pick the puck up in his own zone and score all the way on the other end. And so no one's really caring about what he's doing on the other end of the ice. So uh, the reality is, is I think that, you know, Mark is is getting ready for this. I think he's eager for it. I mean, you can ask Andrew Kopp when he comes in. This, you know, probably no one knows him better maybe than Andrew Kopp um, and how dedicated he is and how badly he wants to win. So we just, you know, we know all those things. We just need to see all those things, and the Jets will need for him to be a you know their best player if they want to get through this series. Jeff Hamilton, the Winnipeg Free Press, is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great crowd here early on a Monday. Um, if you haven't already, hit that thumbs up button, give us a like, and if you're new around here and haven't subscribed already, hit that red button and make sure you're with us every day here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily at one o'clock. Going to be a huge week, and hopefully we'll have lots of Jets hockey to talk about for a while. But, of course, that's going to mean a uh, win over the Edmonton Oilers. And it is a big, big task, Jeff. We've spent a lot of time talking about the guys up front. Let's talk about the blue line. You were at practice today. Interesting to see Tucker Pullman and Billy Hanela skating together today. Um, Is that sort of a a hand tip that both of those players might be in the press box for game number one? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were working on the ice after practice again, one-on-one together. That doesn't usually happen. I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, but doesn't usually happen for guys that are in the lineup. And I mean, let's face it, Tucker Pullman's been out for a while with injury. Hanel has been in and out of the lineup. Um, we know that Paul Maurice leans towards um, veteran uh, veterans. So obviously Jordy Ben uh, fits into that category. And and I think, you know, I think all things considered for a third line, I mean, I, don't get me wrong here. This isn't a, to suggest that I don't think Philly Hanel should, should be in the lineup or shouldn't be in the lineup. I think he should have been integrated in the lineup earlier so that when you got to this position, he was in a better situation to succeed if he was to be in the lineup. Um, in this situation now, I think Jordy Ben and, and, um, and uh, Logan Stanley have played well together, you know, all things considered. So they have that chemistry and that's what, that's what Paul Maurice is leaning on. Again, I'm not suggesting that you couldn't easily move over to the other line and replace that third line or, or find some kind of mixture and, and remove Ben or, or whatever you, you might do. Paul Maurice did say today that game one is all based on 
health. So, you know, although Tucker Pullman is back, I mean, how healthy is he? Is he at full strength? I'm sure he is. Um, but after the first game, it's about who's playing well. So that kind of, le- you know, that kind of suggests that there's you know, a bit of a, a shorter leash. Like, I mean, I, Josh Morrissey isn't going to have a bad game. Dylan DeMello is not going to have a bad game and get removed from the lineup. Same with, you know, Neil Pionk and, and probably Derek Forbert for a lot of ways, because we heard Maurice say that if the Winnipeg Jets are going to be successful in the playoffs, they need to have the best out of Derek Forbert specifically. I mean, the question was, was asked about him, so it wasn't like he kind of drew him out of nowhere. Um, but we've also seen a tendency to take out, you know, those two guys in Logan Stanley and Jamie Benz. So I, I think, you know, when he says the first game is about health and the second game is about, or and beyond that's about performance, I think he's signaling out to Jordy Ben and Logan Stanley that unless you guys, you know, you have to play, you have to keep, you have to play a way or a style that's going to keep you in the lineup. Um, and if, you know, if they go out in game one and it's a, it's a hard fought, you know, win, obviously the lineup's probably going to remain the same, even if it's a, if it's a hard fought loss, it might remain. But if you start seeing things, you know, tipping the other way and, and things when I think you're going to see changes pretty quick, I don't think there's going to be a couple games for, for, you know, necessarily that third pairing. So, you know, keep your eye on it. Just the way we, the way we've seen it through practice, the fact that Tucker Pullman is, you know, has been off skates or hasn't had a lot of game action in a while. Um, you know, it's certainly headed that direction that Logan Stanley and James, Jordy Ben will be your, your two deep, your third deep pairing. Hammer, let me ask you this. Um, the DeMello Morrissey pairing, mm-hmm. this has been something that, you know, we had seen in the past. Um, I don't think a day went by through the first 45 shows that we were doing that someone didn't pop up in the chat. Or well, when right. are they going to put Morrissey with DeMello? Um, and it took a long time to finally get to this point. Um, do you like, is this sort of the last resort? Was Maurice trying to figure out a better way that allowed him to keep those players apart and just ended up on this? Or was there more to it? You know, it's funny you ask that because I'm not going to say I have no idea. I'm probably have closer to no idea than having a really, really, really good idea. But it's the question we've been floating out for a while. You know, you talk about your chats or your shows and someone bring it up. I think it's something we brought up almost every practice. We just we didn't quite understand if Paul Maurice and this is nothing against Tucker Pullman, but like trying to create him to be a number one you know, defenseman over this season? Was it, I mean, obviously he knows what he has in, in Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello. We, we've seen it in, in, in previous or you know, last season. We saw that chemistry. We wondered why that chemistry wasn't being put together. And, you know, it has to be obviously Paul Maurice liked that grouping with Tucker Pullman and, and Josh Morrissey. There's other factors, I think, that may have played into it, um, or at least early in the season. Obviously, you know, DeMello missed some time having his, you know, his kid. He, he didn't have that with COVID and everything. He didn't have that support system where, you know, a lot of these guys are able to fly in their family and it's kind of like a, a village to raise the kids. That, that wasn't from what we understand the situation at the DeMello house. So maybe it was, you know, maybe there's a bit more responsibility on him and maybe, so maybe that was reflective in his numbers and bringing, uh, you know, less minutes uh, with less sleep with a, with a, with a kid. So, you know, those are that speculation. The other thing is too, is that Dylan DeMello, is a very calming presence so you know did you want him in 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 that third pairing to kind of bring along other guys and 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 even out your your top six because as we know Dylan DeMello doesn't get you know ignored when it comes to 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 killing penalties so you know he he certainly has their role I asked him um, a couple weeks ago you know 
understanding he's a team player, understanding that he's doing anything that's, you know, that's good for the team. And he is under contract. So it's not like he's not under, you know, going to be with his team for some time and has to, you know, earn another contract, you know, why he didn't feel like he'd be up top there, why he was on a third line pairing. And of course he gave, you know, he gave the diplomatic answer about being a team player, but he said he didn't really know. And so so that to me kind of was like, okay, like, I guess this is, you know, the way it is, but you know, it's it's just an odd thing to me that, you know, they tried that experiment for so long and it it ultimately took, you know, injuries and and, and the shuffling of the lineup to to put them back. And now, you know, here we are ready to head into playoffs and, and that's the, that's the duo leading the top. You know, I do think that there was an element of, and this is a credit to DeMello in that, you know, Maurice was playing him often with younger players that were just sort of getting their feet wet in the National Hockey League. And, you know, if there's one thing that Jets have done, and I think quite well for the most part, is try to put these young players when they do get into the lineup in a position to succeed. And um, I, I think it speaks a lot of Dylan DeMello that, you know, when you're bringing in a Logan Stanley, you know, or, you know, to play right off the bat, a guy like DeMello on the other side, I think does put those young players in the best situation to succeed. And, you know, I think Logan Stanley's success, especially when he was playing game in and game out, a big part of that was the comfort with the guy on his side. Not to say he isn't capable of more, and I think he's going to get that chance to do much more in a pretty tough spot going against Connor McDavid with Josh Morrissey. Um, But through the season, I have a feeling that did play into it as well. In addition to the fact that, you know, Tucker Pullman, for some of the warts in his game, I really did think came into this season with some higher expectations because if you go back to the bubble in Calgary, he was maybe, I thought he was the best defenseman for the Jets in those four games against the Calgary Flames. And, you know, going out of that series, as disappointing as it was with the injuries, one of the things that I certainly thought were that he made a statement that he was ready for more. And at times we've seen it this year, but it has been difficult for him to to be at that level game in and game out. And that, I think, why, in addition to whatever the health situation he's dealing with, is why his place in the lineup is a lot less clear as we go into the first game of round one. Yeah, and it's a good point. And I, and I was going to say it if you, if you didn't bring it up, is that, you know, there's definitely the, the, the situation where it's it's trying to bring Tucker Pullman's game to the next level, playing with a guy like Josh Morrissey yeah. and also adding a little bit of size to that group. Um, and, and Tucker Pullman's kind of sneaky good moving the puck. So, you know, I don't think he's, you know the the best puck mover, but if but if you're going to have a guy playing with with Josh Morrissey, you hope that you're you, you hope that the transition game is there, right? I mean, and that's kind of the disappointment with a guy like Billy Hainala, where you thought maybe he'd bring come in early because if you're trying that experiment with him early on in the season, we're giving him kind of those first those first pairing minutes, trying to become a bit of a better transition team. I think that would have been you know a unique situation to be in now because he would have had that kind of experience. But um, you know that's obviously what they were trying to do with Tucker Pullman and, and compliment with them. And then obviously the injuries and everything play, to, play, play a role into that. Um, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, things that, you know, whether we're talking about it, you know, at watching practice or, or fans are talking about amongst themselves, the fact that we've ended up where everyone kind of thought where we should have been a while is just it kind of leaves you thinking, OK, like what kind of took so long for this? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the just the situation is so different in the regular season as opposed to the playoffs. And I think we just touched yeah. on a few of those things. They were trying to get it. And again, everything that happens like once you've clinched your playoff spot in the regular season and Maurice has talked about everything about it is 
to improve and get yourself in the best position that when you drop the puck on that playoff on the playoffs that you've improved, you've grown as a team, and you're ready for that challenge. And um, you know, from the sounds of it, I what do you make because Paul Maurice has said this a number of times over the course of the past two, three weeks, um, you know, through a really, really tough time, struggles for the club that were not there for the first eighty percent of the calendar. He kept coming back to the fact that, you know, there is an opportunity for us as a team to come out and be better and be more well-prepared to actually have success in the playoffs because of what's happened. Um, sometimes you do need to learn lessons the hard way. How much of that message are you buying right now as it pertains to the Jets going into this series? See, before I go, I'm not going to say rant, but like it doesn't matter what Jeff Hamilton thinks the Jets are going to do. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter what, whether I think that, they, they, you know, they've lost six games in a row to them or that, you know, what they've said, all the right things, or, you know, whether I want to question that. I mean, it it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's the response from the Winnipeg Jets. And that's what I'm waiting for. I mean, this is what we're, you know, you can say everything you want about how tight this group is and how, you know, we've kind of held each other's hand, you know, held each other up through this, this tough time. And, and this is great, you know, like, like, I'm glad we went through this adversity now and how much better it's going to be like, who cares about that? If you don't show up and do it and we just, you know, we haven't seen it. So, you know, whether, you know, whether it's, I think the Jets are in a, in a tough situation or not, it's irrelevant. It's whether the Jets show up and be the team they keep saying they are, because if you don't have the response, then all that talk about how you grew together means crap to me. In fact, if you come out and lay an egg against Edmonton this time, I think you got to seriously consider the future of this team, because, you know, we, we're getting on a third year here now where, where, you know, we're still talking about the 2018 run, you know, like nobody talks about that stuff. Teams don't talk about runs years ago. I remember this and it was hilarious. This was the 2015 playoffs. I think it was a year or two after, obviously the Jets were swept by Anaheim and Ryan Kessler, who's not exactly known as like the nicest guy to media. Um, the Ducks were here in town. I think it was the next year. And I, I just, you know, we, this was when you were able to talk to guys one-on-one and it wasn't just a scrum thing. I went over to his stall and, you know, we were talking a bit and I had mentioned, you know, the Winnipeg, you know, did, did you learn anything about the Jets? You know, like, through, through those four games, you know, and, and whatnot. And you know, what, what do you take away or is there a different appreciation? And he kind of gave me like a bit of a diplomatic answer being like, oh yeah, they were okay, blah, blah, blah. And then I walk away and I could hear five feet behind me. He goes to, I forget who his teammate was. It wasn't like, you know, a big name. He goes, did you hear what that guy asked me? He asked me about the Jets and playoffs last year. Nobody remembers the team that gets swept. And so, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's under his breath. And it just, I mean, it's just the way that pe- the players Kessler. think. It's like, you can't, you, can't, you can't hang your hat on a wicked run in 2018. I mean, it, it, like... Yeah, but at the same time, we always talk about, oh, experience is important and all that. I mean, if you is, have experience, is, you talk it about is, it, right? It is important. But you asked me about this whole, like, you know, and I liken it to the Bombers a bit, right? Like, the whole when Andrew Harris didn't get the awards and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they were backing into the playoffs. They were losing. They had this massive chip on their shoulder, and they went out and they proved it. The response was there, and they, you know, they, whether they could say they shoved it down media's throats or whoever was, you know, their critics or whatnot. We're getting to that point now where the Jets are starting to act like the city's against them, like everyone's against them. Like oh, full-fledged, no one believes in us. No Did you hear Wheeler after the yeah, game on Friday? Exactly. And, like, and I mean, like, <laughs> I mean let's just be very clear about something. Blake Wheeler has not gotten the criticism this year that warrants those kind of comments. And, and so, you know, if that is the culture that's going on, that's great. But that culture or that attitude means nothing if you don't come out and prove it. 
So, you know, whether you, whether you want to listen to the outside noise, which they claim they didn't, clearly they do, um, you know, listen to the fans that have ruled you out, all that stuff. If you want to use them as motivation, if they're the critics or the ones that you're worried about that you need to get on and prove wrong, go ahead and do it. There's not a single critic out there that's a fan of you guys that is going to, that doesn't welcome being wrong in their decision, you know, as a media guy, I don't care if they prove me wrong right now, the fact of the matter is the evidence we see in front of us suggests they're not going to do it. So if whatever motivation you need to manufacture at this point, whatever you need to do as a team to find that next level, whether it's feeling like you're against the media or against the, the, the critics, the fans that don't believe it, so be it. Just go out and do it because it's been a couple of years now where, you know, you haven't even made a, you know, a dent in the playoffs. Here's your next opportunity. Make the most out of it. Oh, Hammer, what a hell of a way to uh, finish off the uh, the visit. I know you've got to get to uh, the ride. we got to get ready for Andrew Kopp. Um, this was awesome. Uh, we didn't get onto any CFL topics. We'll focus on the hockey today. We'll yeah, get an update on that hopefully next week. Uh, keep up the great work. Can't wait to uh, see what you've got coming up for Jet fans in the Winnipeg Free Press all this week. And uh, hopefully we'll have uh, some more playoff games to uh, talk about with you back here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks as always, pal. Yeah, I love covering hockey in plus 22. So if the Jets want to go super long into this playoff drive, I'm good with it too. So. <laughs> Let's do it. There he is. Follow him on Twitter if you haven't already. It's Jeff Hamilton. He's on Twitter at Jeff K. Hamilton. And of course, check out his fine work in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. Great stuff with uh, Jeff. We are not done talking Jets, though. We are going to have Jets forward Andrew Kopp join us, scheduled in about five minutes, so make sure you stick around for that. Really looking forward to it. Um, In the meantime, big thanks to our beer sponsors, Little Brown Jug. I don't know about you folks. uh, I did get a few tweets from some of you out there that were enjoying um, the new Summer Lager, the Hefeweizen. I did a number on a few 1919s yesterday afternoon and actually kicked it outside Cracked a beer, and instead of watching the Vegas-Minnesota game, I fired up the radio. Well, obviously got it on the phone, not a real AM radio like uh, like back in the day. But listen to our pal Gary Lawless and Dan Duva call the game. It was, uh, in a heck, with nowhere else to go. You can't gather out, uh, with friends. So, uh, yeah, outside, throw the game on, do that. And uh, needless to say, the little brown jug came in very handy. Um, you can check out the Good Times Variety Pack at your local bottle shop or beer store. And that one comes with both the new Summer Lager and the Hefeweizen. And um, I'll direct you as well to the website, revamped website, littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, man, they've done an amazing job. They've got merchandise, events. They've got the store there. And as I said before, they've got a very successful home delivery service through the pandemic. So you can find out more on the website at littlebrownjug.ca. And of course, Nick and Nikki DQ Group. That is the Dairy Queens in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Polo Park. Now, with no indoor dining right now. They do have drive throughs at both Niverville and Northgate. Or you can pop by... Polo Park's still open, just the food court isn't right now. Um, Nick and Nick, you've got some great offers with the two-for-five treat deal after 5 o'clock. No one does better cakes, and you can order those online at DQ Manitoba. But as Nick told us going into the weekend, get there now. It's blizzard season, and the new drumstick blizzard might be the best one yet. So uh, pop by Nick and Nicky DQ Group. Tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And... I have to say, you know, originally this was supposed to be opening day for Assiniboia Downs. And as we told you on Friday, it has been pushed back, unfortunately, 
Only one week, though. So a week today, the Monday of the May Long weekend, will be opening day. We'll have Darren Dunn join us on the program. Um, but in the meantime, you can get your uh, get ready for the season with the HPIbet.com account. Remus and I will be making some wagers on a daily basis here on the program, so you can bet with us. Uh, you can do that right now at HPIbet.com. And throughout the year, don't forget for the ASD Live pre-race handicapping show. Kirk Contois was joining us on Friday. He, Marshall Stretch, they break it down every day, 6.45 before the 7.20 post. So make a note of that when we get going with live racing coming up in a few minutes. Um, It's PGA Championship week. And man, a weird, weird weekend um, at the uh, at the event, uh, the, the Byron Nelson on the weekend. Um, you know, you had Jordan Spieth going crazy earlier on in the week, but it ended up being K.H. Lee, 25 under par. He went 65, 65, 67, 66. Good enough for a three-shot win over Sam Burns. Um, but this week, it's all about the PGA Championship. Um, and we'll do a full breakdown in the days to come before Thursday's event. Um, but that will be, as always, all of our golf coverage here. Brought to you by Breezy Bend Country Club. We'll give Corey and the guys a shout-out. Doing some great work on the uh, on the course. And a good luck to the Breezy boys in Monday Putter, which is coming up. Uh, I guess they'll be playing a little bit later on today. Um, all right. So Wednesday night is Game 1 between the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. We had a great chat with Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press on what came out of practice today. Um, and one of the good news was that Andrew Kopp was out there getting ready to hopefully, fingers crossed, return to the lineup coming up on Wednesday. And it is an absolute pleasure to welcome in Andrew Kopp to Winnipeg Sports Daily of the Winnipeg Jets a couple days before dropping the puck against the Edmonton Oilers. Andrew, welcome to WST. What's going on? Not too much. Just trying to enjoy a beautiful day in Winnipeg. Yeah, no doubt. Weather is gorgeous. Kind of feels like playoff weather. And I know you and your teammates would love to be busy for a couple months going to the rink in, uh, in these sort of conditions. First things first, how are you feeling? Um, obviously, you've been uh, you know in and out of practice over the last couple of days. Um, you're, are you hopeful and um, confident that you'll be a part of the lineup when things get going against the Oilers? Yeah, I'm confident I'll be in. Um, just a little little minor setback uh, in the last game against Vancouver, but uh, felt good the last few days and should be good to go on Wednesday. Now, um, what's the feeling like around the team right now? It, uh, you know, No matter what happens in the regular season, you, the goal when you begin the 1 of 56 is to book a ticket to the playoffs and have an opportunity to compete for the Stanley Cup. But it was a weird season. I mean, you guys had such a great start, did struggle late in the year, although seemingly sort of got back together and had some good results lately. How would you categorize just the feeling of the team in the room uh, two days before the challenge against the Oilers? Yeah, I think everyone's pretty excited, I think. Um, you know, you can, this is kind of what you build up uh, throughout the year for to to get to this point. And, um, you know, whether it's... Uh, it's not. A, it's never a direct path, you know. It's always you know ups and downs throughout the year, and um, you know we're we're kind of looking forward to uh, you know proving people wrong about what they think about our team right now. So um, I think we're we're a confident group. I think we're we're you know there's definitely an added energy, added focus, um, you know, as we go through these these practice days and whatnot that we're uh, kind of getting to the the best time of year and to that do or die time. So. Um, you know, there's no other option but winning games now. And if not, then we're not going to be playing hockey for very long. 
you know, um, Coach Maurice on a couple of occasions through, you know, the seven-game losing streak and sort of coming out of it with some better results, kept coming back to the point that, you know, he believes there's an opportunity for the club to be better for what they've gone through. And, you know, part of it was uh, getting back to the fundamentals, um, accepting the defensive things that need to happen to beat teams like Edmonton and Toronto. Um, wh- where are you on that? And what do you think that you and your teammates can kind of take out of those struggles to, you know, make you a better team when it counts? And that's, of course, the postseason. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to believe in that. I think that, you know, our our offensive game, or our offensive numbers for the first 40, 45 games of the year were, were really good. And I think we, we became re- almost a little bit too reliant on that and too, um, um, too proud of what we can do offensively. And we forgot about, you know, not forgot, but we, we weren't as sharp as we needed to be on the defensive side of the puck. And I think when you saw we went through a little bit of a scoring slump there, um, you know, how badly we need our defensive game to be as tight as possible, especially going up against, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl and then, uh, you know, if we were, if we were playing Toronto, it'd be, you know, Matthews and Marner and all those dangerous players that they have. So, um, you know, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain style of hockey that you have to play in the playoffs to win and a certain um, belief that you have to have in both sides of your game and a certain amount of confidence. So I think our offensive game, we figured out a little bit towards the end, started to put up some, put up some numbers. I think our power play will be, will be ready to go uh, in that game one. And then it's just, um, controlling that defensive side of the game, not letting uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl will kind of have their way. Now, you've had a career year, and I do want to talk a little bit about the season that you had individually, but, you know, focusing in on this challenge against the Edmonton Oilers, um, you know, the opportunity to talk to you about it is great because, I mean, not only have you had a lot of success offensively, but you're probably a guy that the coach is going to tap on the shoulder more often than not to go out with maybe the most difficult challenge in the National Hockey League, and that is going up against Connor McDavid. Um, you know, just from your perspective, Andrew, what are the keys to? And I mean, look at the numbers. I mean, there's nobody that's completely shutting down uh, a guy playing at that level. But I mean, when you get out there, I mean, what are the what are the first things that you need to focus on and do well to minimize um, a guy that put up 105 points in the regular yeah. season? Yeah, I mean. You like you said, there's no there's no quick answer. There's no easy fix. I think it's um, and and it's not really one guy either. You know, it's 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 defending as a unit of five when he's on the ice and understanding where each other, you know, are going to be what each other's reads are. Um, I think when he's on the ice, you, you realize his speed is his biggest weapon, right? So his so his rush game is better than anybody else's. His offensive game is better than everybody else's, but his rush game in particular is what makes him so dangerous. So, um, you know, I think getting on top of him as he's coming through the neutral zone, uh, puck management when you when you do have the puck at the blue line or as you're, you know, maybe on a three-on-two, you know, and you see a play, the the percentage of your, of your calculations of the risk-reward change when he's on the ice, um, depending on where that puck could go or where it could deflect to, and then he picks it up with speed and then, um, at that point he's already gone. So I think your risk reward, uh, calculations change, uh, when he's on the ice. So that puck managing, you're a little bit more, a little safer with it. And maybe you see a play that you might usually make, but when he's on the ice, you might decide to hold onto it or put it low or, or make a, a, a safer play at the end of the day. So, um, he's just that kind of player that changes everyone's risk reward calculations when, when he's on the ice. So, um, and stay out of the box too. I think they're, I mean, their power play is top five in the league. 
and uh, he's obviously a big part of that. So if we can manage the puck when he's on the ice and not really let him get the, the full speed wind up against, you know, our 2D or if it's a three-on-two or whatever it is, and then stay out of the box as much as possible, I think that's a good recipe for us. Andrew Kopp of the Winnipeg Jets with us here live on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. You mentioned staying out of the box and certainly discipline, you know, in tight series um, and special teams can really be, you know, the difference when, you know, if two teams are going at it relatively closely at five on five. For a guy that's done a lot of penalty kill, I have to ask you, is the is the challenge of penalty killing against a team or a power play like the Oilers with a dry sidle and particularly McDavid different than a regular power play? Do you, do you at all, do you have to pay more attention if that's possible at four on five against players like that? Or is it pretty much just trying to execute the system as well as possible just against one of the best power plays in the league? Well, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously those two are dangerous and those are guys that you want to look for, but I mean, Tyson Berry's, really dangerous up top too you know like you can't just focus on mcdavid and dry set on that five on four because barry hits that one time a really nice i think he scored a few on us this year chase on's done a good job in front nugent hopkins makes plays so it's more of just the totality of their unit and they're kind of a unique setup like they they kind of move around a lot like it's not you know if you're looking at you know tampa's power play for example, last night, Kucherov and Stamkos on the side, heading up top, point in the middle, and then you have Cologne and Palat net front. You kind of know where everyone's going to be. And, I mean, not that I'm saying that their power play is easy to go against. I mean, they scored three last night. But the what makes these guys tough is that they kind of continuously move and they're continue Like, they're never in the same spot as they always are. So that actually makes your reads tougher sometimes. Um, when it, it harder, to, harder to plan for, too, because – you're planning for a guy being in a certain spot and then he's, you know, five feet over from where he is. So then is he my guy? Is he the defenseman's guy? Is it, do I need to be back in this lane? Do I need to be in this lane? So, um, it's, it's a lot of reading reacting, um, for, for our PK against those guys, just based on, you know, how the intricacies of where they are exactly and how they move. And, and I guess speaking to all of that, um, safe to say, and, and particularly for you being one of the few players that are contributing on both sides of the special teams equation, penalty killing and power play. Um, listen, you want to get yours at five on five and you assume much of the game would be played on five on five, but how impactful do you think this special teams battle will be in determining who comes out between Winnipeg and Edmonton? Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be a, a big part of it. And I mean, a lot of the specialty specialty teams is going to be your goaltending too. And, Obviously, we feel like we got the best guy in the league. So, um, I mean, that's going to be a huge part of it and a good indicator of, of where this series is going. Obviously, 5-on-5 five five is going to be important, like you said. But, um, you know, those crucial those crucial power plays where you get a goal at the right time or those crucial penalty kills where you're able to, to hold them off, you know, late in the third uh, when you're up a goal or tied, it's, uh, you know, it can change the momentum of the series for sure. Let me ask you about Hellebuck while you mention it. I mean, we always laugh. I mean, we... I mean, he, to me, he's the most interesting interview in the NHL. I mean, he seems to be a guy that tells you exactly what he feels, no matter what, and that's not something you get every day. What's he like as a teammate behind the scenes? And, and just tell us about that level of confidence you and the Winnipeg Jets have when you know that 37's between the pipes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of confidence. I think we got confidence in both him and LB. But obviously with Helly, um, you know, he's stolen so many games for us over the years, specifically uh, last year felt like every night was was kind of his night um in, in the crease so uh but as a teammate i mean he's 
he's a really he's a lighthearted guy. Like he's he's fun to joke around with. Um, I'm you know lucky enough to to skate with him in the summers a bunch. So we have a lot of games and stuff in his goalie sessions, and um, you know he's always laughing. He's always having a good time out there, which kind of makes makes everyone else makes everyone else you know laugh and have a good time. So he's uh, yeah he's an interesting character for sure, but um, super fun guy to be around. Super fun guy to have in the locker room. Andrew Kopp with this year. Um, Andrew, timing is everything, especially when you're in a contract year. Uh, congratulations on a career season, 15 goals, 39 points in 55 games. I mean, overall, how would you assess the year for you, and uh, what was it that went so well for you uh, this season? Yeah, it was good. I mean, I think, um, you know, took advantage of some opportunity. I think, you know, you get on a power play and you get on a power play that's rolling, that definitely, that's definitely a big part of it. Um, just felt like I was – you know, I, I feel like I've been on a trajectory kind of my entire career, just kind of improving every year. And whether that's ice time or whether that's points, I just feel like my role has grown each year and um, kind of just took another step, I think. I mean, I think that, you know, this is kind of where I've always felt my game could get to. And, you know, I still feel like there's levels it, it can. And it's just a matter of executing um, day in and day out. So I think I, I worked, I've been working hard in my game and I continued to last summer. And I think I took, you know, some steps and was able to, um, you know, get rewarded for that and got opportunity. And then it just kind of snowballs, right? Like you get some confidence and then you get more opportunity because you're playing well. And then it just kind of continues on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was comfortable in my role. I was comfortable with my line mates, both, you know, whether it was Laws and Appy or, or Ehlers and Stasny or Shife and Wheels, it was kind of up and down the lineup. Um, again, but it felt like I had some chemistry with each line that I played with and, uh, you know, I was able to, to produce at a pretty solid level. Hey, speaking of that, um, you know, obviously you are going to need a new contract for next year. It, is that something your agents and the Jets talk about through the year? Was that always just left? Let's have a great season, play the playoffs, and then figure it out afterwards. Yeah, I think mostly just kind of let's figure it out, uh, you know, after the season. I don't think there was too much dialogue going back and forth. I know, um, you know, there's discussions, but they always, you know, surround other players too, right? Like, you know, my agent Kurt mentor represents a few other players that they, that are prospects here or whatever. So, um, you know, I think there's just comments made back and forth, just, you know, very, very high level kind of things. But, um, to get down to the nitty gritty, I think that was always going to wait till after the season. Yeah. Well, certainly the focus right now is on game one, I think for everybody. So, uh, we'll hope that uh, it goes well and then uh, that gets taken care of afterwards. Um, tell us about the four goal game. That was, uh, I mean, one of the highlights of the entire season so far this year. A uh, pretty special moment night for you. And this is one of those nights where they start going in, and uh, it seems like everything you put at the net turns on a red light. Yeah, I actually, uh, I kind of got banged up early in the first, and I was like, I was didn't really feel that. Um, you know, some nights you have it, some nights you don't. I really didn't feel like I kind of had it that night. And then we get you know, a couple of power plays in the second period and you get two goals. And then no matter how bad you feel before you get two goals, you start feeling really good when you get two goals. And then, um, you know, put the empty netter in and then it was kind of like, all right, you know, first hat trick, like, you know, great game. And then we get, we kept getting put out there and then we scored the fourth with like a minute 15 left or whatever it was. And that was kind of almost, you were just laughing at that point a little bit. It was just kind of one of those nights where everything was going in and everything was working. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a, a crazy night and one that I won't forget for sure. 
Well, and not only was it one of the highlights of the season, but it, I mean a huge personal highlight for you as well. What what was the uh, the reaction from the boys in the room after that? Uh, I mean, I'm sure everyone was quite happy for you, but everyone said that you know, you're going to take everyone's spot on the top line and the the new top gun in the room. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. I think I got some heat for not passing on the empty netter, which looking back on it, I I probably should, but um, at the in the moment, it was kind of a st- like it wasn't like a there was going to be a lot of opportunity on a breakout. It was kind of like one where I kind of picked off from JT Miller and then just kind of shot it down. So um, I knew that they were going to try and find me for the empty netter if they, if they had it just to get the hat, get the first career hat trick, but um, just kind of saw I had a lane and when shot it. So I took a little heat for, for not passing it, but um, I was, you know, the fourth goal got both my line mates assists. So that was uh, a good, a good way to finish just so those guys didn't have zero points in a game where I get a hat trick. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> uh what happened to the pucks i saw the picture with all four of them afterwards did you give them the yeah, different family members are they together <laughs> uh i think the jets still have them right now i think they're putting something together to commemorate the night so i think all four of those pucks are still with the jets right now well speaking of commemorating the night um often on this program when we're talking about non-hockey things or you know whatever we have gone to nfts non-fungible tokens remus is a big nba top shot guy and you have gotten into the NFT game with a one-of-one one NFT commemorating the four-goal game. Uh, tell us about this. How did it come about? When did you even learn what a non-fungible token was? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one of my great, er, one of my best friends from back home. Uh, we went to we went to Michigan together. Uh, he's a super super smart guy. Played hockey there. He's uh, he's kind of been involved in a lot of like the crypto space he does, he has like his own e-commerce um website kind of a lot it's a lot of stuff that he says that just kind of sounds really good but you don't actually know what he does but uh so he kind of he's a few of our the guys that played in michigan with him we're all kind of doing it together and i just happened to be the first one that released it um but we we got it together and i was like yeah sure you know i'll do this and you know he's he was working with some people that you know thought it'd be a good idea and you know, it's not really, it was, just, it was kind of cool to just do together and something that um, I think is going to take off for him. You know, like he got a contract with my agency now that anybody that uses it, um, that goes through my agency that wants to do an NFT, they get the, they get the guy. So um, I, it's, it's kind of one of those things that I'm kind of a guinea pig for almost kind of seeing how it goes, how the one-on-one goes, how the, um, you know, the whole design of it works. So uh, I'm just kind of happy to do it with him and do something special together uh, more so than it is just for me or for, you know, whatever it goes for. It's not really about that at all. I think it was kind of something fun to do together. And um, we've already had other business ideas going back and forth. Last summer we had a big whiteboard that we were putting stuff on. So I mean, at some point we were going to do something together. It was just a matter of time. So uh, it was super fun to do with him. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what it goes for. I don't think we're we're holding our breath for anything crazy. I think we were just happy to do something together. Yeah, well, and people, if they want to find out more information or bid on it, if you go to uh, Andrew's Instagram, which is at Copper94, the link is in the bio. It'll send you there. You can see all that. It comes with a couple tickets to a game, the chance to meet Andrew after a game as well sometimes. So uh, certainly really neat. Have you? Uh, are, are you crypto guy now? I mean, are you going to be negotiating <laughs> your next uh, – are you going to be getting paid in Bitcoin on your ne- next deal? I don't think so. Uh <laughs> I've paid attention to it. Um, I don't. I don't have any Bitcoin or anything like that. Uh, my buddy is pressuring me. 
you know, every day that I need to get some or the Dogecoin or whatever. There's always something <laughs> new going on. So um, I paid attention to it. I kind of kind of understand it, kind of follow it. But um, yeah, I think, you know, it's it'll be for me at some point, I'm sure, but not yet. Um, Andrew Kopp, man, it's been great having you on the program. I'm very much looking forward to to Wednesday. Just on the way, did you uh, did you see many of the first four games uh, on the weekend? There was some great hockey, and I have to admit, I'm personally triggered every time I see the building, you know, with all these fans going on with what we're doing right here. But um, just what were your thoughts about seeing those first four games, the quality of the hockey, as well as seeing some buildings that uh, have quite a few more fans than you've been able to play in front of this year? Yeah, I watched the. Um... I watched most of the Washington game, watched all the Tampa Florida game last night. That was a, that was a great game. I mean, there's ever seemed like it had everything and seeing, you know, the fans, I think they were somewhat half full, but um, it made it more enjoyable to watch too with like with the crowd noise and, and everybody really into the game. So that was, that was great to see. Uh, I watched a bit of the Vegas game too. They were obviously, I think they were half full too. So, it was cool to see, uh, you know, the fans getting into it, which is, you know, especially playoff time. That's that's what we're going to miss most here for sure. I think they're going to do something with the rink in terms of whiting it out, but it won't be the, the, the normal Winnipeg whiteout, which, um, you know, it is what it is for, for the circumstances we have right now. But uh, seeing seeing some of those games yesterday was it was great hockey and it was just great to see all the fans in the stands and, um, you know, the energy in the building. Well, it was great to see, uh, you know, just how awesome the games were to start off. But I can tell you, everyone here with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk is counting down the hours to Wednesday night. I'm sure you and your teammates are as well. Andrew, listen, thanks so much for doing this. Congrats on the great season. Good luck with the NFT. uh, But most importantly, good luck Wednesday in the series against the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, we'll look forward to doing this again with you sometime. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. There he is, Andrew Kopp. You can follow him on Twitter at Kopp94. And if you're interested in more on that NFT that he's just put out, um, go to his Instagram at Copper94. Click the link in his bio and you can uh, find out more. Really interesting stuff from a really interesting guy. Great. Thanks so much to Andrew Kopp. And a big thanks to Scott and the Jets for making that happen. Let's get Remus back in here. Um, Remo, man, this has been an amazing hour, and uh, thanks to everyone that's with us, by the way. If you are with us and you haven't subscribed already, hit that red subscribe button. We'd love to have more of you on with us every day. And do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. If you're in the chat or on the phone, you just have to close the chat, hit the thumbs up. The likes definitely help us as well grow the channel. Remo, awesome stuff with Hammer, and uh, I mean, you know, we've said this for years. I mean, of all the Winnipeg Jets that we've had on the program, Andrew Kopp is as uh, insightful a player um, that, you know, we've had the chance to talk to, always has time for us, you know, thoughtful questions and uh, certainly a huge part of what the Jets are hoping to do against the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, for sure. Andrew Kopp, you know, he's always been a guy who gives you, like, as you said, thoughtful answer. Even hearing him talk about defending Connor McDavid or comparing the Tampa power play to Edmonton's power play, uh, that stuff is super interesting. He's not giving you cookie-cutter answers. Uh, we wanted to ask about the NFT. Sounds like his friend uh, was into it and kept bu- bugged him enough. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. So it's on his, uh, on his Twitter, on his Instagram. You can bid on it. Not only do you get that, uh, that NFT, you do get um, you know, some experiences there at Jets game. You get to meet him as well. So he's like, yeah, sure, I'll try it out. So uh, you had to ask him about Bitcoin. Uh, great talk with, with him. I'm looking forward to, uh, to Wednesday now. I'm fired up. He did say uh, we did learn he's confident he's going in. I think we kind of figured that, the fact that he was on the show 
Um, you know, putting out an NFT the week of the playoffs, similar to Cole Beasley putting out a rap song <laughs> yes. before the playoffs, which you said Cole Beasley would be in, and, and he was. So I, I do see the similarities there as well. He did reveal that the Jets are working on something to white out uh, the arena because we have seen all season they got that blue tarp and a bunch of empty seats. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, you know, other arenas have done cutouts. Um, we, the Jets haven't done that. Maybe they'll put a towel or get a white tarp or something. But uh, that'll be cool. Make it look a bit different for the playoffs because the playoffs, as we said before, it's completely different hockey. You almost forget every year. Uh, right until it's like, oh, yeah, this is this is playoff hockey. This isn't regular season hockey. This is, <laughs> again, it might as well be a different game. So I, I'm more fired up now uh, for, for Wednesday after hearing from Andrew Kopp. Yeah, if I hadn't seen any of the first three games that went to overtime and just turned on the Tampa-Florida game last night, I would have been going like, what? What sport is this? What what exactly are we watching? It's so different than everything we've seen in the uh, in the regular season. Man, it was good. Um, and tonight we have a great slate of games. Why don't we get right to it and get to the cool bet lines of the day? We will focus in on the National Hockey League. Three games in the league tonight, and we start off with game two between the Boston Bruins and the Washington Capitals. Boston, minus 137 favorite on the money line, and the Caps, plus 123. Remo, get back in here. I'm interested in your thoughts. First of all, on this series so far, Caps winning an OT in game number one, and the fact that the Bruins are still a pretty significant favorite on the road, um, despite Washington playing them tight, being at home, and having the one nothing lead. Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough series. I mean, Boston was, was um, I thought, by some of the... Uh, the stats guys out there, big favorite. Uh, minus 135, I think that's, I mean, that's not, not crazy. So you could go Boston there, but if you want to go with the home dog, going back-to-back with Craig Anderson and goal, yes, Hussey is still in the league. Um, I, I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I had no idea. I, I'm like, what am I, am I seeing things? Is that an, 40-year-old Craig Anderson got the first win of the playoffs? What? Yeah, yeah so... Um, he's been good this year in short time. Maybe, you know, he's going to be rested. He hasn't played too much, only a couple games during the regular season. Yeah, he got into four games in the entire regular season. And it's funny, I mean, the Caps have a lot of the, you know, a lot of pieces from, from their cup team, you know, their core guys. They brought in, uh, Anthony Mantha at the deadline, you know, paying a nice price for him. I don't know, maybe Caps could, uh, could upset. I know one of my buddies... Uh, took a bunch of caps in his pool and was like, oh, crap, they're, they're underdogs? I, so, I mean, maybe from <laughs> your caps Bruins, and you don't think that the Bruins would be that favorite, but you know they're deep. They got, now they've got I Taylor thought, Hall. They're, they're top six Bruins. I mean, very, very strong. Now they've got Taylor Hall, which means they should be out so in five. Bruins, it's know. Bruins Taylor Hall. It's not Sabres version of Taylor <laughs> oh, Hall. It's sorry, like, you know, you know how like the under- improved. Yeah, it's like the Undertaker, how he came in as like the dead man, then he went to the motorcycle guy. It's like he's, he's Bruins Now this Taylor is Hall, American, so. bada- American badass Taylor Hall yeah. with, the, <laughs> with the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Um, so that's the early game. Then we got game one between Nashville and Carolina. Carolina minus 169. Nashville plus 151, and the series price right now, not surprising, Carolina, a heavy favorite, minus 278, Nashville plus 225. Much better chance that Nashville wins tonight's game than wins the entire series. Yeah, I uh, I got a confession. We did our bracket challenge for our Winnipeg Sports Talk group. Uh, thanks for everyone who signed up. We tweeted it out yes. on the weekend. It was on our Facebook page. If you missed out, you got to follow us. Uh, we're going to be tweeting some stuff, but I got a confession. I did take Carolina uh, to win the cup, 
Uh, I'm not, look, I, I could pick Colorado. That's the easy pick, but I don't take the easy way. Uh, I really like I liked them last year. Uh, the question for them is goaltending, but I think coaching, you know, they're very strong defense, got a lot of top-end talent, uh, four groups, all solid. You know, they go, a bunch of lines they can run at you. I really like Carolina. We'll see how it goes. They ran into a, a buzzsaw of Boston last year, but uh, they should take this one against, uh, against Nashville. Yeah, hey, everyone in the chat, throw in your cup pick, um, uh, whether you went in the bracket challenge with us or not. Just interested, you know, I know we've got four ga- four games in, but, you know, who did you take? Who were you thinking? I took Vegas in the bracket challenge, Reem, and um, yes. I could be responsible for cursing them right out early in the front, uh, earlier in the first round. I think I had Tampa a couple years ago when they dropped out in four straight to the Columbus Blue Jackets, so it certainly would not be the first time. Um, but I love Vegas's team. That being said, you know, not getting first place in that division, and not that St. Louis is going to be a, a cakewalk for Colorado, far from it, but to go up against Minnesota in the first round, a team that did have, I think, I'm pretty sure Minnesota was 5-1-2 and two against Vegas in the regular season. So that wasn't the matchup I think that they were really hoping for. It was quite apparent after yesterday's game that if they're going to win four against the Wild, it's going to take their best to get it. And then if you survive that series, you've got the Stanley Cup favorite Colorado Avalanche presumably waiting in the second round. I mean, it's a killer division to get out of. Yeah, that's tough. That's what I was saying for Minnesota. You know, they were had really favorable odds, I thought, as compared to how good of a team they are. But the problem for them was, okay, yeah, so you beat Vegas in the first round. Well, who you got next? Uh, Colorado. Probably maybe the two top teams in the league, possibly other than Tampa with Kucherov. So uh, that is a, a tough division, and you have to wonder, uh, will health come into a factor? Because that's what happened last year with Colorado going through that, uh, that tough division. Um, they got all banged up. Their you know, goalies got hurt. So we will see. You know, the playoffs, as Paul Maurice likes to say, yes, it's a grinder. So uh, it can take a lot out of you. Oh, there's a lot of grinders coming up over the course of the next couple months. Funky but chunky. I love it. Jets Cup. Jets Cup. Tampa overrated. Tampa's the heel team in the playoffs right now. Oh, for sure. sure. Like, they are absolutely the heel team. I mean, I guess there are some lightning fans out there, and people in Tampa want them to win. But other than that, they're the team. As great as they are, I think everyone wants to see them lose just because of the fact that um, we all know there was some funny business working around that salary cap and the mm-hmm. fact that they were able to be up at the cap and, oh, then add Kucherov and Stamkos. Yeah. It's a little iffy. Not going well um, in some circles of the NHL, but it'll be that much sweeter for a team like Florida if they can win, although that was a heartbreaking way to lose last night. Very tough start to the series for the Panthers. Yeah, Tampa's like the team who waits till the ref's back is turned and then uh, hits someone with the urn. Uh, to bring up another under- Undertaker <laughs> reference. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching those uh, A&E documentaries on Sundays. So uh, uh, it was Shawn Michaels yesterday. But as far as Florida goes, I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, you want a, you're a team that doesn't have the playoff experience. You have like a heart. You don't even get to overtime. You get a heart- kind of heartbreaking loss like that. I don't want to say it's tough to come back from, but that shows you a team like Tampa that has the experience, that's been to the playoffs, you know, been to, won a cup, been to a cup final. And again, it's all the same guys that they've had for so long, and Kucherov, us, I mean, he, he didn't look like there was any rust there with him. <laughs> yeah, he looked like he'd been skating and ready to go for six weeks. <laughs> no, no, he was just Who would have known? <laughs> he wanted to wait till he was fully healthy, and it's just a total coincidence that it was yeah. a game one of the playoffs. 
So yeah. just it just worked just worked out for them. Yeah, That's I don't know. Great. Just it's just timing us. I mean, if the NHL maybe would have started their season a bit earlier then maybe he would have been able to come back earlier, but they had the late start th- this year. So, uh, uh, that, I mean, that, that battle... Who knew the Battle of Florida was so violent? And so... and so. Well, and speaking uh, you know, of that, yes. Sam Bennett just got tagged a game for yeah. um, that boarding play, and that was dangerous. Um, there was a lot of things like that going on last night. I mean, he smokes Blake Coleman right in the numbers from behind. Um, you know, and, and you know what? Good for NHL player safety for doing that. More often than not... You know, in the playoffs, that's a fine. But I think considering everything that happened coming into this playoffs and the talk around NHL player safety, I think they might hold things down a little more close to the rule of law. Um, and obviously Sam Bennett paying the price. And and that's a big loss for the Florida Panthers, Reem. I mean, Sam Bennett was having a miserable season with the Calgary Flames. It's been the exact opposite since he got to Florida. I believe 15 points yeah. in a dozen games, more than he had in the entire season with Calgary He's put on the board in his new home of Florida. I mean, that is a deadline acquisition that is paying off big time right now. Yeah, you know, the Taylor Hall one you saw coming, you know, go from Buffalo to um, to Boston, and he goes off. And again, that's another guy, like more goals with Boston in that short time than he had all year with Buffalo. Sam Bennett, I don't think I saw this one. They, You know, they had tried him with Goodrow and Monaghan. He played up and down the lineup. Um, you know, you thought he was, I don't, I don't want to say bust, but he wasn't going to be that guy who could play on a top line. And now... He goes to Florida. What a revelation. It's been awesome. And I think, you know, it shows you, you, you get drafted to a team, and sometimes, you know, it's just luck of the draw. Maybe you get drafted to a team where it's a fit for you. Maybe you get drafted to a team that's not a fit. And um, good for Sam Bennett. Obviously, whatever was going on in Calgary didn't work out. Uh, having great success in Florida. And they found a lot of guys, you know, Duclair is another guy um, who's had some success on, on a cheap deal uh, since Ottawa. Um, you know, but they've, you saw, you saw, you know, yesterday their stars, Barakov and Huberto. I think we can end after the playoff performance, us. Jonathan Huberto. Everyone's been saying him and Barkov for years, underrated. They're no longer underrated. They're off the underrated list. We know, everyone knows that these are all time <laughs> players. Uh, it was like Roman Yossi for a while. He was like the underrated guy in the NHL. Everyone knows that he's good. I think you can no longer say those guys are underrated. Everyone knows that they are elite talent. <laughs> um, line on that final game tonight is the Avalanche minus three twelve at home. Blues plus two sixty six. Might be some value. Might be some value there on the uh, on the Blues tonight. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them steal a game okay. early in the series. It was like two forty on my phone like half an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's an avalanche of money going in on Colorado. Excuse yeah. the pun Whoa. right now. Well done. Listen, us. the the one the one bit that I wanted to get to on the cool bet segment today with the lines was some pretty amazing line movement in this Jets Oilers series over the weekend. Now, Dustin Nielsen and I did the lock shop on Friday, talked about a number of the series, what we like going into the playoffs. And of course we talked about the Jets Oilers series. The odds on Friday when we did the lock shop was Edmonton minus 206 and the Jets plus 175. And again, if you're not familiar with how those those numbers work, essentially, if you wanted to bet the Oilers, to you would need to bet two hundred and six dollars to win one hundred to to return three oh six. Whereas with Winnipeg, if you bet a hundred dollars, you would win one hundred and seventy five off that, and it would return two hundred and seventy five. And to be honest, considering where the teams were, 
Edmonton, very public team, McDavid's season. I wasn't that surprised. The line sort of made sense to me. Well, Remus, in the three days since we did that, the Jets' number has cratered. There must be a ton of people betting Winnipeg because Winnipeg has gone from plus 175 in the series to plus 130, and Edmonton has dropped from minus 206 to minus 154. I'll be honest, I did not see that coming. I thought maybe the number would come down a little bit, 170, 165. But, I mean, that's about as big a line movement I can remember in anything NHL-related in a really long time. And it got me it got me thinking, uh, are people really confident in the Jets? Was it just the best value line mm-hmm. that a lot of sharps got on? I'm not sure. But the number's a hell of a lot closer today than it was when we were talking about it going into the weekend on Friday. Yeah, and I, that was kind of interesting. We were talking with Andy, the digital gambler, uh, on Friday. And he was saying, you know, Jets minus uh, or plus 175, good value. Um, I know I think a lot of the uh, guys who have models and analytics, and I've seen a couple of them come out, you know, we've watched the Jets lose six in a row to Edmonton. We've seen McDavid torch them, and we're not feeling that good. But if you're just looking at the Jets' overall body of work, as far as, you know, a model goes, and you're betting, um, and I saw Dom had had the Jets up from the Athletic. He had the Jets, you know, I don't want to say close to, I think it was close to 50-50. I saw another person on Twitter, who I retweeted from my account. My profile's in the description if you want to see that. Um, he had it uh, closer. So I think, you know, overall, the Jets players are much better than they've shown against Edmonton. And, I mean, if they're all healthy, we'll see about Ehlers. We'll see about Dubois. You know, maybe there's some sharp people out there who say, you know what, I think there's some value here. The Jets aren't as bad as this line would say, and they bet it and it goes up. I think that's my only theory that, that the, you know, the Jets aren't, they're much better than what we saw in their six, you know, games. Uh, is Mike Smith going to play? The question for me is, is Mike Smith going to, you know, keep it up? I mean, the lack of, you know, McDavid's torching the Jets. I mean, that's going to happen. He's McDavid. But the lack of goals that the Jets have been able to score in the last, you know, the six-game losing streak against them. Oh, um, man. Is that going to Mike keep, Smith was that, in my head. Yeah, is I, that going to He's in up? my head. What's he like in the head of the guys that their job actually is to score on them right now? I mean, listen, I think that's a great question. And I'll tell you what, if the Jets go out and have a great first period and pop a couple in on Mike Smith early, I think a lot of the good feelings, everything that was built up through the regular season is completely out the window. So, I mean, a lot can change. And, you know, I mean, I just think of every time we make all these hot take playoff predictions and then a week into the playoffs, you know, you look back and go, what the hell was I thinking? These guys are going to be done. I mean, so there's a lot that there's a lot that needs to be determined. The old saying, that's why they play the games. And you know, there is a real recency bias that goes into odds as well. And I think that was a big part of that opening line that came up with Winnipeg and Edmonton. But it was fascinating to see just how mm. much that line has changed in favor of the Winnipeg Jets over the course of the last three days. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think you, know, you look at the team, they're, they're again, they're, everyone knows. And we talked to so many people. They were not as bad as they were during that losing streak. But, you know, maybe here you get over emotional and you overreact. But uh, we'll wait and see. I think it is going to be close. I, I did take the Oilers on my bracket for what it, what it matters. McDavid's been too good. And as Hamilton said, I mean, we're kind of waiting for the Jets to show that pushback, uh, show that fight, and we hadn't seen it. Uh, again, playoffs, very different. But there are some, I think there are more unknowns in terms of health with the Jets. I mean, Dubois, he could be out. Uh, Ehlers, uh, we're not sure again with him. And I think those are the two big ones. And, I mean, Ehler is, is a huge swing if he's in. You know what kind of player he is uh, at 5-on-5, five five, on the power play, off the rush, 
he's an awesome player. So uh, we're holding our breath. We are we're tuning in every morning for their morning skates. I think tomorrow's is at 11 as well. We're waiting for the tweets from you know Ken Weeb or Murad or Mike, uh, Jeff, whoever's there. Waiting to see a picture, and hopefully we see one of uh, Ehlers in a uh, regular jersey, but it's just yeah. been the non-contact. Yellow, not your color, Nick. Let's get, uh, yeah. let's change it up and uh, get uh, get him back out there. Well, as I said, this is going to be such a fun week on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Tomorrow, um, our first guest, Dustin Nielsen, will join us. My pal from the lock shop, but enemies this week as we go into uh, Euler territory to set up the series with Dusty from TSN 1260. Uh, we'll have much more. We'll get Weber on a little bit later on. We've reached out for some more folks to join us um, to talk about this series as well as a number of the local guys, which we love having on so much. Um, man, you know, it's, it really does feel like we're into playoff time right now, Reem. And despite the fact that we're not going to be able to go to games, seeing those buildings with some fans in was a little triggering, yes, but was also a very welcome sight. And yes, normally I'd probably go pull up a seat at a bar somewhere and watch the games tonight. That won't be happening. But the good thing is we've got Jets hockey coming up Wednesday and Friday in Edmonton. Then we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do next Monday because we go Sunday into Monday. Back-to-back games here in Winnipeg. Going to be a very, very busy time. And, of course, also opening day on the Monday of the long weekend over at Assiniboia Downs. So, uh, and, and I'll tell you what. From the signs of the numbers that we've had in here, by the way, hit the like button if you haven't already, folks. We're, pop, we're popping in late. Um, you can you can tell just from the numbers that were here so early and so strong throughout this show that there is it's different, but there's definitely playoff fever in Winnipeg, and people are fired up to see their Jets take on McDavid and the Oilers starting Wednesday night. Yes, no question, Huss. Uh, you know, kind of, and I'm trying not to think about how you know I can't have friends over to watch or. You know, how we're not going to have whiteout parties and we're not going to see fans in the stands. Uh, I'm trying not to think about all that. It's hard, uh, but it is playoff hockey. We are excited. And uh, it is, you know, it, as we saw, you know, we saw on the weekend, hard not to get pumped up after watching those games. Like, okay, it's going to be our turn very soon. Yeah, well, and I tell you what, from that little uh, little tease that Andrew Kopp gave us, I'm quite interested to see what the barn looks like uh, come Sunday and Monday when the Jets mm-hmm. are playing at home. Uh, and I know there won't be fans, but maybe whatever they do can be even louder coming back with uh, a nice result uh, split. You know, I think that's the goal. You go to Edmonton, you look to get a split and come back, you know, uh, even up. Um, who knows? Maybe it could be even better. But uh, we'll be all over this series, top to bottom, Edmonton side of things, Winnipeg side of things, as well as the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs over the course of the next few days. We, of course, have three games tonight to get to in the National Hockey League and then um, a couple games tomorrow before the main course begins and man long wait for Leafs and Habs fans too Areem I mean I think it seems like forever getting to Wednesday night and uh, Leafs Habs doesn't start until Thursday before getting their usual Saturday night spot on Hockey Night in Canada yeah you know we were talking about the schedule and someone commented on our Facebook that the scheduling is all about making sure Leafs Habs is 6 p.m. Central on Saturday. That's that's <laughs> the only thing. It, that's the only thing that it was about, and we kind of missed that. We were saying, "Oh yeah, uh, about you know the back to backs over the whole focus of the schedule. Let's get Leafs Habs primetime spot, and that's uh, that's when it is on Saturday." I, I had a good laugh at a comment uh, from Mike K. He says, "I'll be wearing my Jets sweater to work on Wednesday by myself." 
in my basement. <laughs> and that just, you know, we're talking about the lack of parties and stuff, and that's kind of where we are right now, but I did enjoy that. No, for sure. We're all dealing with it right now. I do hope that as the vaccinations, the vaccination numbers keep growing, that we'll be in a better place in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, it's a it's a bummer not being able to get together with any friends or at least go out into you know public and be able to watch these games. But um, listen, better to have these games and watch them ourselves than to not have them at all right now. Because yes. uh, man, if we didn't have this playoff hockey, this would be. Uh, another real lean time for so many of well, us here in the city of Winnipeg and Manitoba. I was actually shocked to hear Andrew Kopp. He sounds like he's been watching every game. <laughs> and like, yeah, if you could... I, that doesn't surprise me about Kopp. The one thing I didn't ask Kopp about Remo, and I'm just, I'm just thinking about this now. Was it about the I... uh, woman who won the hundred thousand? No, no, no. That yeah, that that was a good tip that I saw afterwards as well. We were I was too focused in on getting to the NFTs yeah, and that. see if he's going to get his contract paid in Bitcoin. That but. was a good. I was into that one because <laughs> there was that NFL guy who got. It yeah, yeah. Time. There's been a couple guys that have done that, and uh, you know, yeah. hey, no one's getting, no one's going broke right now if they're if they're getting their hands on Bitcoin. Um, but I wanted to ask him about those goats that were at the rink on on monday like uh, is this ones? some sort of thing like did they sacrifice two goats trying to you know get good vibes going in for the playoffs or is there more to it i'm joking of course they were not sacrificing goats but apparently mark shifley has two goats and that was a bit of breaking news on the weekend too what yeah, there there they are uh, he's got two goats he got brought me last year sarah orleski asked him about the goats actually has uh you want, I can bring it up if you want me to play this clip here. If you've got it, yeah, for sure. Let's, uh, I'm interested, and I'm sure many people are wondering what the heck was with the goats. Brother. A month and a half, maybe. Um, uh, you know, got two baby goats. Um, named them after my two favorite athletes, so Tiger Woods and Tom Brady. So, uh, you know, it's just fun. They're, they're, they're best friends with Oliver, so... Um, you know, it's just uh, <laughs> they're fun little guys. They're they're energetic. They're pretty. They're pretty. They're pretty fun to hang out with. So brought them to the rink the other day, and they were buzzing around on the ice. So it was pretty cool to um, to see that. I don't think the trainers were too happy because they kind of pooped everywhere. But um, <laughs> no, I, I've uh, yeah, I've been a goat owner for I think a month and a half now. There you go. You know, we've seen a lot of people, like a lot of couples, you know, being trapped together throughout the pandemic, needing to do something, and they've all gone and got dogs, like pandemic puppies. Well, he already had a dog needing to step step it up. Goes and gets two goats. Yeah. Um, you know, ex- everyone knows that I can't stand Tom Brady, but I will give him credit for a pretty cool name for goats of Tiger and Tom. Even Even I can stomach that. Um, but that's an interesting flex, moving to goats as opposed to puppies when everyone else is uh, expanding, getting dogs. It sounded like to him it was more uh, of a joke. Um, Sarah, you know, thankfully with these Zoom calls, Hess, uh, sometimes they don't let you follow up. Sarah did follow up and asked him, uh, why, she asked him, why, why goats? Like, what's, what's going on here? Just for fun. Just <laughs> literally just for fun. They're uh, um, they're literally just pets. I don't know. Um, you know, uh, you know. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Tom Brady and Tiger Woods. So it kind of, you know, it's kind of a, a little bit of a joke. But you know, they're they're fun. They're you know, I, I have a bunch of space to to let them roam around and um, and eat grass and get outside. So um, you know, it's a pretty 
you know, it's a pretty cool thing. Honestly, I, I never really knew much about them. And then, uh, you know, you start taking care of them and you, you know, you bring them, you wake up in the morning, you bring them, they're like alfalfa pellets and, um, you know, you open the door, they like instantly like buy at you. So it's, it's kind of like, they're saying like, dad. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's just kind of funny. It's honestly more of a joke than anything, but there, there are pets. And, you know, like I said before, him and all them and Oliver are, are becoming best buddies. So, um, it's more of just a, a fun thing than anything. They've been the funniest Stifley clip I've ever seen. Him doing the uh, the dad. <laughs> like I was so not ex- I was so not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I never thought uh, goats were a pet. Um, Nicole J tipped us off Farm Fifty Five on Instagram. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Farm Fifty Five is the Instagram, and there's a link there. So I don't know too much about. They've got like a couple acres, and I guess that's where the goats are, and maybe the dog. There's a couple pictures of Shife with his dog, and then the goats. And yes, Oliver's the dog. Tom Brady and Tiger Woods are the goats. And there's something else coming soon. So I don't know a lot about it other than, uh, oh, and their Insta story has a uh, some horses. Hi, neighbors. So I don't know if this is a friend of Mark's or some people that he's working with or uh, they're doing what with. But anyways, we've got a little bit of information on the goats, Brady, Tiger Woods, and Mark Shifley. And the one thing that came out to me, Remo, out of that bit on Saturday was just um, was the smiles, seemingly the good feeling. And I think a big part of that was, you know, getting another win on Friday night, having the top line continue to produce. Um, and like we said, coming out of the game against Vancouver last Tuesday, I mean, the final score doesn't really matter. It wasn't going to change the standings. But going into this series, I think uh, it can be nothing but good to have Wheeler, Shifley, and Connor get going because, as we've said, that line is going to have a ton of pressure on them to both produce and do their best to you know, get a saw off with their matchups in their own defensive end. Yeah, that was um, – yeah, they, uh, you know, we saw Shifley in the playoffs before have a great year. They've kind of been up and down. I mean, he did have a great season for points, but he just hasn't – we see it in chat all the time. People saying, you know, he has not looked like that dominant center that we've seen before. So, yes, a lot of pressure on that top line to produce. Connor had a bit of a uh, dry spell, you know, heated up the last week. Maybe they can start feeling good and get their game back and return to Winnipeg Jets uh, playoff hockey. <laughs> Everyone's laughing about that dad thing that Shelly did. Yeah. Anyways, nice to see the smiles. Nice to see the excitement and you, know, you really heard that from Andrew Kopp. Uh, it was great to have him on the program, and thanks again to the Jets for helping us set that up. And, uh, man, Remo, what a start to uh, the week. Uh, and a milestone show, episode 50, halfway to 100. And I guess this is a perfect time to thank everyone that's with us live every day on YouTube, people that are listening at home on the podcast afterwards and helping us spread the word about Winnipeg Sports Talk as we continue to grow just over two months in. Yeah, and we keep getting messages from people who are saying, hey, I used to listen to you on 1290. Glad I found you. A lot of emails, a lot of messages, um, you know, a couple in our inbox over the weekend. So we do thank everyone uh, who is here uh, listening on the podcast, on the YouTube, who's liked, subscribed. I know like 35% of the people in chat right now or people watching this video haven't subscribed. So uh, the the button is like down there right here. So uh, hit it. We're here every day. Monday to Friday, punch it. One yeah, central, press the button and get, get the, red and uh, subscribe. And if you want to hit, you know, turn on that bell, the notification bell. You will get like push notifications 
you know, if you forget what time we're on, that's every day at one weekday. You got it. 1 p.m. And every day this week, we are going to be packed with top to bottom coverage of Jets, Oilers and so much more. Um, shout out to our friends out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. I know they've been paying close attention as they get ready for the season to get you out on the water. Can't wait to get out to Aikens later on. Hit up AikensLake.com or Aikens Lake on Twitter for more information. And uh, Remo, I guess we'll look at these games. Do you have any hot picks? Do you have an upset pick of any of these games this evening? Uh, is Washington, Washington an upset? Yeah, Washington's plus 123. Uh, I'll go... <laughs> I guess yeah. I like them more than Nashville they're or St. The, Louis. Yeah, they're, it's like, who would you rather pick, Nashville or St. Louis? I mean, I think Washington's the easy one, but if you want to go tougher, I think I would rather do St. Louis than Nashville. But I will Yeah, go. I think I'm going to sprinkle just maybe a, a little bit on, on the Blues at that big number of 266. Yeah. I mean, I still think Colorado's going to win the series, but I could see the Blues maybe catching them by surprise in game number one. So, Anyways, we'll see all that. We'll head to Edmonton tomorrow. Dustin Nielsen will join us. We'll have the latest from Jets practice before they head to Edmonton and uh, much more on the Stanley Cup playoffs. As always, thanks to everyone for joining us. We're just short of 200 likes, so if you're in here, hit, hit give us that thumbs up. We'd love to get to that number yep. for a great show to start off the weekend. Big thanks to Not Autocorp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, our great sponsors of beer, Little Brown Jug. Try the summer lager. It's delicious. Uh, Assiniboy Downs opening day a week from today. Breezy Bend Country Club, CoolBet.com. And by the way, our CoolBet lines I will post on our Twitter as well as a bonus code for you to get a great deal if you want to get in and bet with us on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, that's about it, Remo. Hell of a start to uh, the week and uh, a great way to get 50 in the books with you here on Winnipeg Sports. Yeah, Club. show... 50. Wow, I can't believe it's been that long, just over two months now. So uh, awesome time of year, playoff hockey, and we'll have the Jets uh, starting game one on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Great start yep. time. That's a Be great like week. Remus, folks. Get that oxy clean out. Get those whites ready yes. for Wednesday. Uh, and it's Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, uh, Sunday, and Monday to get things going, beginning, uh, of course, two nights from now in game one of this North Division final. This, by the way, much like the CFL, there's the East final and the West final. Mm-hmm. That's what this is right now. It's the CFL of, of hockey, Ream. We've got the West final, Edmonton, Winnipeg. East yeah. final oh, I like is, is Toronto, Montreal. Yes. And the hockey's version of the Grey Cup will be competed for in a best of seven in oh. about two weeks. Yeah, they need some trophy for that, uh, I think, for the uh, North Division. So uh, we'll see how that goes. It's going to be fun. Uh, you know, two... Awesome uh, rivalries, uh, Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg, Edmonton. Hey, thanks again to everyone that's been with us, especially all of you in the chat. Even you, James Wong, who we had to uh, we had to mute. We, we don't mind you Oilers fans to come in, but you, just, you don't need to type the same thing 25 times in a row. Come yeah. on. Um, yeah, yeah, everyone in the chat. You know, I'm usually pretty lax with the chat, but if you're coming and you're openly trolling or typing the yeah. same thing over and over again... Uh, you're you're yeah. gone. Or dropping COVID takes. That's the other thing. Like we don't. <laughs> this is not the forum for that. Thank you very much. By the way, shout out to GFL Sheriff Gregory Liverpool, who uh, got his shot today. Great to see Greg doing that. All right, we got to get these pods up. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Subscribe, like, spread the word on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Thanks to all the sponsors. Thanks to Jeff Hamilton and Andrew Cop for joining us today. And of course, Scott and the guys over at the Jets for helping us get on the cop. We really appreciate that, as did everybody in the chat. Folks, enjoy the games tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll head to Edmonton and break down Jets Oilers from the Oilers side of things with Dustin Nielsen. 
Have a great one. And uh, before tomorrow's show, 11.30 a.m., Dusty and I will fire up a playoff edition of The Lock Shop as well. So you can check that out on our Twitter feeds. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks for being with us. And we'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., live on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.